0: And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy The Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. As long as they keep making animated Star Wars, Hope, Monax and Chris Honeywell will be on the case. Welcome to J-Guys and Jedi, a project that began with Clone Wars and now may never end.
1: Hi everyone, welcome to a brand new episode of j Guys and Jedi, a weekly podcast covering every episode of The Mandalorian. It's here! We have wrapped up season one, and it's time to look back on what we loved, hated, and also it's time for the Grogu Lucian. How you doing, Chris? Good. You having a good week?
0: Yeah, so far so good.
1: That's good, do you have anything fun. I'm way better than no. I was last week. <laughs> you can't tell. Like I was dead.
0: Chris afterwards. Not anything, like, out of the usual fun. I watched uh, the new, the the latest remake of, or reboot sequel to Texas Chainsaw Massacre.
1: I heard it, well, as, okay, let me preface this by, as someone who doesn't watch horror movies, I heard it was fine.
0: Uh, I enjoyed it. It, it. it, like, I was hearing, I was hearing fine. I loved it. Or I hated it, and 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 the way people were. Well, even
1: movies in general.
0: <laughs> yeah, but it was it was more polarized than that, and the fine, the the fine, the it was fine is a whole other. They were they're all kind of extreme in a way, because saying a movie like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is fine is not a is not a glowing review of it at all. So it but it sounded like, and and when I watched it, it's it's. There's parts of it that are really stupid, but there's parts of it that are, it's, it's well shot and it's well put together and it's well thought out insofar as they know what kind of movie it is. And like it has quote unquote social commentary in it, but it's literally just playing the worst aspects of the red state, blue state, you know, and Confederate flags it's set in Texas and, you know, And rednecks and city, city, you know, a diverse set of city folks coming in to buy, you know, to gentrify and and all that, and it and it sort of plays them all as horrible and and but also plays a bunch of them as all as sympathetic too. But it's just it's exploitation. It's just exploiting the tension between those two things that are going on in society now. In a horror movie, to make things uncomfortable and to like put, put, push people's buttons. It's, it's a button pusher and it pushes buttons, but it's not overtly, it's not like we're political, you know, it's just sort of there. And, uh, and I like that. I think I, that's what those movies are supposed to do. They're supposed to be sort of trashy about it, like the Purge movies. I, th- you know. And like, I mean, mostly, mostly saying. it's about it's supposed to be about a leather leather faced um, chainsaw wielding maniac killing people. And that is what it delivers on that. It, it delivers on that. So oh. I, I had fun watching it. So it was it was better than fine. I liked it. I liked it.
1: I had a good week. It's not Are a we... classic. Oh, oh, sorry.
0: Oh, no. I, I mean, yeah, that's that's about all that happened to me. I'm glad. Glad to hear you're not uh you're not puking.
1: Actually the fun thing was um I reclaimed my my burrito state because it is we are currently recording on 2-22-2022, So it's taco
0: Tuesday. Did you eat a defiant burrito today or did you I did,
1: I did. Even though it's Taco Tuesday, I ate a burrito and it was delicious and I, I reclaimed my burrito-ness. Um I also a taco's
0: did... just a burrito giving itself a hug.
1: That I mean, I honestly stuffed mine with so much stuff, I couldn't fully wrap it, so it might as well have just been an oversized stuffed taco. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and then I, I've done some, like, work for the waffles this week um, because uh, the week that we're recording, it is Aromantic uh, uh, Spectrum Awareness Week. So I wrote this blog about Vernestra Rowe, who is a Jedi in the High Republic, who I believe is the first Aromantic uh, character in all of Star Wars. I know she isn't higher poly, but I think she's the first aromantic character in all of Star Wars, so that was nice.
0: Now, does and... aromantic mean they're just not interested in romance?
1: So, okay, actually... So
0: is she just the first openly <laughs> aromantic? Because there's a lot of aromantic people in Star Wars.
1: All right, so I actually <laughs> have are at cool Or at least
0: apparently, or possibly, or potentially.
1: So here we go. Asexuality, because I'm asexual, um, is an orientation defined by lack of sexual attraction. Aromanticism is an orientation characterized by a lack of romantic attraction. Asexuality and aromanticism are both orientations characterized by a lack of attraction, but they fall on different spectrums of attraction, and sometimes they cross over, but they don't always cross over. So, um, and that's really the difference. And like, it's really nuanced. Like some people, like I'm asexual, but I'm interested in romance. Some people are aromantic, but they're interested in sex. Right, um, but right. not romance. So, but that's yeah, what so exactly. I, I'm was. saying
0: there'd probably be, there'd probably be a bunch of people like maybe who just didn't identify as such in Star Wars, but who were like that, you know, especially yeah. in that spectrum.
1: Yeah, and it was also uh, Zelda's The Legend of Zelda, which is like after like
0: Han know, Solo was like that till he met Princess Leia,
1: <laughs> but like uh, after Star Wars and Pokemon, Zelda's like one of my next favorite franchises and like this week was Zelda's birthday. So I wrote a piece about like looking back on Zelda as a whole and why it's classic. And then Sunday coming up is international Pokemon Day. So I'm gonna be writing like a Pokemon article this week too. <laughs> so it's been a really fun writing week for Hope. And of course you can always see all that at the Geeky Waffle. So it's been busy. I've been keeping busy, you know, as we go Tomorrow's
0: do. Pokemon Day at work. Wednesday's Pokemon Day at work. There's two 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 people who for some reason on Wednesdays are both you'll you'll see their phone just sitting there on the on the Pokemon screen all through work. Ah, and they're
1: playing. Oh,
0: okay. all Those through my, the shift.
1: My people, my other people. <laughs> it's funny. I've
0: noticed everybody. I, I when when I noticed my one coworker and his whole family were all playing. Like sometimes I'll I'll be the reaper for my roommate. She'd drive her car around and I'd grab stuff, grab Pokemon, and grab you know, stuff from the Pokestops as we would buy. But, like, I'm watching everybody, like, do a little fancy twirl before they launch their the their ball and oh, stuff. Yeah, and I'm the like, do you ball. get more points for that? And they're like, yeah, sometimes. And I'm like, oh, I did not know that. <laughs> I just <do>. go <laughs> You do
1: get more points for that. Um, And I've seen varying things. But I, I've read before that it also ups your chances of catching a Pokemon, too, if they're more difficult. But I've seen that vary, and I don't know if that's still true um but yeah i i am sad though because of all my three franchises i have the most star wars and pokemon stuff but i don't have a lot of zelda stuff I and it makes me sad i need more zelda stuff my goal is to one day get like a little goddess hylia statue and to put it in my garden to have a little gar- goddess hylia out there just hanging out in my garden that's what i want like the big one too like not even like a little one like i want the big one it's probably like two thousand dollars or something on it see <laughs> <laughs> I've seen yeah, that cool. stuff is
0: you, you. You gotta learn how to just like cast it, you know.
1: I know. Backyard. I know, but then I have to get stuff to cast it with, and that's, yeah, that's I might the as fun as well
0: of it. That's it. the fun of it.
1: But I might as well just buy it if I'm just gonna make one.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, but once you learn to do it, you can make a dozen of them and sell them for a thousand dollars on Etsy. that's true. Under undercut all the other the grifters who are doing two thousand dollars ones.
1: That's true. I'm sad and poor. Someone someone, go hit my Kofi. Anyway, Mando, I guess I should explain this because in case we have new listeners. So, if this is your first time doing a season recap with us, welcome. Hi, we're happy you're here. And we're actually doing this one slightly different than our normal recaps. So, usually what we do is... We have our we talk about our favorite episodes, and there are questions that Chris and I ask uh, or answer together that we both answer, and then Chris and I after that write questions for each other. We are breaking our normal format in the past because because usually we do like favorite episode, least favorite episode, most developed, least developed character stuff like that. But with only eight episodes in season one, there's not really a lot of to choose from, and we'd have a lot of the same answers. So, we did tailor this one a little bit, so we're going to start with, like, um, the questions for each other, and then Chris and I will do our questions for each other, and then we'll do the Grogolution. illusion. Gotta get my little voice all, all, all Oh, happy. my
0: God, you're going to hurt yourself t- doing that the whole time. Shh, oh, I my know. God, people are going to get diabetes listening to that.
1: I know. We'll see how long it holds. <laughs>
0: Are you going to do got... a wisp all the way through it? I, I'm sounding more like I'm more fun when I do
1: that. <laughs> you don't sound like I'm more fun, but I'm going to try. I'm
0: really going hard. to be a Mandalorian. A Mandalorian. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I thought I told leppy Put it in the bounty count.
0: <laughs> it's Stormtrooper season.
1: Oh, <laughs> All right, so instead of, like, choosing our top five episodes, we decided to rank ours. So do you want to do from, like, least favorite to favorite?
0: Um, sure, sure. So
1: that, we'll do it that way. I will say... I, well, I you, was... know
0: what, you, you know what I was thinking? We should probably... If we're going to do that, we should probably, um... Um... Do that with, uh, like... With we'll we'll like we'll do your list. We'll just do your list, and then like when, when up like if we're, you know, whichever episode, you start with for you know the the lowest one, I'll say oh well that one's number you know X and mine, and then I'll do it that give, way okay, and then I'll give my reasoning, and then we can just sort of work both both way through, through both of them.
1: All right, is that. Actually- that, that yeah, seems can... to be
0: like it will make sense to people.
1: It's funny because like we're kind of swapped on all of ours too.
0: <laughs> oh, so interesting. I yeah, I've been sort of just fit like like not focusing on my screen, so I could I can uh I can be surprised, I guess.
1: <laughs> so actually though, speaking of surprises, what was really interesting was when I was doing this list this time. I realize that a lot of my feelings have changed. Like, my bottom four used to be, like, in my top five, and vice versa. And I think it's because, like, having time to, like, sit on this, and also having context of season two and Book of Boba Fett, it really changed a lot of how I viewed these episodes this time around. Um, And it really, and I just want to say, there's no bad episode this season. So, when I have, like, number eight at the bottom of my list, there's that doesn't mean that it's bad because I don't think I scored lower than like, I think a 7.5.
0: Yeah. I and think I my think, lowest was a seven.
1: Yeah. Like, so like the, every episode was good. Um, but I, I just found that really interesting that like what used to be the bottom of my list is like now, like my top four <laughs> and the ones that used to be my top four are now my bottom four. So well,
0: there's as, as, as people may or may not if you made it to the this we've mentioned it before you know this is our second viewing of it and this is my also,
1: fifth to sixth viewing yeah, of it <laughs> this is
0: this is a, yeah this is we've seen this though, we've seen this with the context of seeing it before and also seeing season 2 and oh, look, also look. seeing season 1 of B- Book of Boba Fett and also seeing are whatever crossovers in you know story-wise or thematically are in the bad batch so are
1: they doing a Book of Boba
0: Fett season two? I think so. Oh, I was but hoping they're doing was... the Dune thing with it where they're like, well, we wanted to see how those, the last episode did or what, whatever. But if they're like, I, I think if they're doing a season two, they already have a plan for it. Unless they have a plan, like several plans, unless they have a plan of like. Well, we won't do season two, but we'll bake the story into Mandalorian and You
1: know, okay, I'm gonna I'm just gonna get my like air this off my chest right now before we get into this. Instead of making them like hype-filled different shows, especially because we know that the Ahsoka show is gonna tie into it and that all of these are building up to be like a crossover event. I just wish they would handle this like Game of Thrones. Where it's all just one big fucking story, because it is one big fucking story you mean just
0: put the star yeah and then they could just put star wars star wars mandalorian and then they could just run it however the story they could put up like the mandalorian heading on it when it's more you would have like
1: seasons of like like game of thrones where they'd be like off with like uh, above the wall and you'd have like most of the season like with Jon snow above the wall and you would barely check in with like with the lannisters and like why, instead of making these because like because that was a huge gripe of boba fett i love the two mando episodes but they just didn't feel like they fit in a boba fett show. And so if they just ran the whole thing of just like, here's four episodes of Boba while Den's off fucking yeah. around. I'm already like, doing that
0: re- in my head though. You know what I mean? And, and,
1: and you know, that's I've seen that point brought up. Like instead of thinking about them, like we need to stop thinking about them as separate shows and just think of them as one big story. But oh. I would then why you market them that way? Well, <laughs> like why well, not
0: just I also think five years in the when we look at them with five years. Behind him, it might it might look differently too. And I I'm thinking maybe we're Boba gonna be Fett might
1: like next weekend.
0: <laughs> maybe book of Bob, book of Boba Fett is their show that they're going to design to be the one they, they they. I think I have a feeling, you know, Boba Fett's going to end up. you know, my theory is he's going to end up with the dark and be leading the Mandalorians, and that's why he's sort of like, you know, to that's why he's sort of kind of ill suited to be a crime lord and <laughs> and, and they'll, they'll they'll use his show and his story to be the connective like like physically connective tissue you know like with all with new shows showing up in his show you know like new storylines branching out of his show and stuff and also sort of thematically with his rise to you know from the sarlacc pit to the to the top of the Mandalorians. I just had know. this like
1: really funny image of Den just being like, All right, Boba, I'm gonna knock out one of your teeth. And Boba's like, What? And he like Den knocks out one of his teeth, and then Boba wake up the next day and there's like the Darksabers under his pillow. It's like, Happy Tooth Day! Love the Tooth Fairy. <laughs> and that's how Boba becomes the Kingdom Mandalore, because the Tooth Fairy, aka Den just left the Dark Saber under his pillow. Under Did his you see that tank. creepy,
0: creepy meme that's going around? I don't know. A, there's
1: a lot of creepy memes going around.
0: There's a meme where a woman was... I, I, I think it was a woman told her husband that, you know, they'd been giving their daughter's baby teeth to the Tooth Fairy, and the daughter told her that she was the Tooth Fairy in her past... She was her mom's Tooth Fairy in the past life, and that she that she got... she. All her baby teeth are her mom's old baby teeth.
1: <laughs> Wait, the daughter said this to the mom? Yeah, she said in that.
0: my past life, I was the tooth fairy and I got all your baby teeth and now I have them in
1: my mouth. <laughs> oh, but also that kid's going to grow up to be a great writer.
0: Yeah, that's some that's some great stuff there right there. That is. That's it's true.
1: That is. I mean, I love Rise of the Guardians, but that was way better. Anyway, so we're going off my list, right?
0: Yeah, let's go off your list.
1: All right. So my lowest rank episode, and again, it's a great episode, is The Reckoning, which was episode seven. And the reason it's last is everything is great in it, but there's it's all set up for the finale. Like there's nothing that's like really just like, ooh, wow, because it's just an episode of setup. And but I like everything in it. Um, everything's great. I love having Khalil come back and giving that backstory with IG eleven and stuff like that. But it's just it's 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 all good, but it's fine, you know? Because it kinda needs episode eight for it to be really good, right, you know. Right, right. Um that was my least favorite of the season. Um I, even though I still loved it.
0: <laughs> it. It it came um forth from the bottom for me, so it's it's just it's just sort of in the middle to you know in that middle area and it's it's because it's it's a good episode it's got some really good stuff in it but it's it's a setup episode it's it's all just setting the pins up for it and yeah yeah, and yeah so it's it's number five for me
1: yeah but it's all great i liked everything Um, Sorry, Hope is taking a second to pull up the episode list so I can... (laughs) Because they're out of... So I know what numbers are what. There we go. Um, My number seven was actually episode eight, which was Redemption, which was the finale. Um, It's a great finale. It's probably one of the most solid, stellar finales we've had since, I would argue... Um, I don't count The Siege of Mandalore because that's a movie. Um, I would argue it's been probably one of the most solid finales that we've had since either, um, the Ahsoka, Maul, Vader finale of Rebels, or even the finale of Resistance, but I would say it's 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 more solid than that. Like, it's great. It's satisfying. It sets up the story for season two. We get a lot of, like, closed Tied up ends where the armor sends Den off with baby Oda, they're a family now. It but has yeah. the
0: advantage of being a short season, so yeah. it can be real clean and self contained. And the, 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 because
1: this show becomes a messy bitch in season two, <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, it gets messy from there on. But like that, oh, this opening thing is it's not completely self contained and it does lead into the future and it introduces a villain at the end, but. If this if this was the only season of it, it would it would still be fine on its own, you know, and uh, yeah, absolutely,
1: yeah. it's self-contained. So uh, yeah, my yeah. mine
0: is directly opposite yours in the mirror. I know mine, it's number two for me. I love this episode. Yeah, it, there's just it's just it's just everything the 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 tone the t- you know the 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 pacing of it the the scene of of uh, IG-11 storming the the town yeah and uh, so good. and then jumping off his speeder bike letting it crash into the wall and just like blasting all the stormtroopers while carrying baby is just it's perfect it's it's amazing and uh uh yeah i uh, yeah
1: um my next one was so my number six, was the first episode, The Mandalorian. And it is a solid opening episode. Like, it sets up the world, the characters. It has the gotcha ending of revealing Baby Yoda, of just being like, holy shit, it's a Baby Yoda! Yeah. Um, and, like, like literally, Star Wars changed in that moment. And it was... It's, it's such a good opening. It sets up the world and the Bounty Hunter's Guild, and what's... It, it, and I, I think the reason this landed so low, much lower this time around is because I have answers now. Because what what made this so gripping is when we meet the Armorer and they're talking about how Mandalore's destroyed, we had no context. And we're like, oh my god, what happened to Mandalore? Where's Bo-Katan? Was this where's last
0: this- week? Yeah. Wh- yeah. No, like, was it, where's was it 20 family? years ago? Was it last week? Yeah.
1: And there was actually a moment where I remember watching this for the first time and I actually went, where's Sabine? Like, where is she? Because I was scared. I was like, if Mandalore's gone, like where's Sabine? Um, and so like I think this episode just doesn't hit us hard this time around because we have all those answers. We know Book Tan's safe. We know that like Den's an occult. So it did change the context of the episode. But it doesn't change the fact that this is a really good episode. Yeah. Um so I think that's why it's it's so much lower for me, um, than it was the first time around. And yeah. Um, where was that one for you? Wow, it's also awesome was- the
0: mirror. <laughs> it's number it's number 3 for me and for all the sa- for all the same reasons really that you were saying you liked it. It's just I mean like I have to say I was it wasn't that I wasn't looking forward to the Mandalorian. I was just like kind of indifferent to it and just like not getting my expectations up although I did know it was a felony joint. It's just like, well, we'll see. Well, you know. We'll see. And it, it, I had no idea it was good. like and I was watching it and I was going, this is really this is really solid. And like it hits a tone, you know, that it keeps through the whole episode and it's the perfect tone. So it's just it's just sort of vibing on that. And you know, some of the special effects are a little bit, you know, in their early stages, but still. And then all of a sudden there's Warner Herzog. And then all of a sudden Dirty
1: Stormtroopers.
0: Dirty Stormtroopers. And that and that ending, which you know immediately made me go like, Oh my god. Cause because because i I'd, I'd already picked up on the vibe. Then you throw in Baby Yoda, which You gotta admit, it's a mind blower. It is a mind
1: blower. Honestly, like when was
0: the last time, since you know, for you and me, maybe the last Jedi, (laughs) that like you had a just a like bam moment of. This was a different kind though, because this was the kind where you see it and and the implications of like, oh my god, you know, (laughs) how come nobody's thought of that before? to,
1: to quote Mabel Pines from Gravity Falls. Everything is different now.
0: It's like everything fell into place as far as like, oh my God, what is that? What are the implications? On top of it, I'm going, I'm I'm instantly making the, the Lone Wolf and Cub connections in my head. And I love Lone Wolf and Cub. And I'm going, wait, that meshes perfectly with the way that they're doing this right now. Oh my God. And then on top of it, it's the, it, like this was at the time where like, CoVID was just starting and nobody was really buying Disney toys and nobody was really interested in Star Wars toys. And then uh, and like everybody everybody instantly knew the implication of like, well, Disney's got their marketing. And but at the same time, even if Baby Yoda is a hundred thousand million percent, a cynical, calculated marketing ploy just to make toys, it still works. You know, he still works.
1: The only reason I don't think that is true, because if he was a cynical, clinical, like, marketing move to make toys, they would have had them ready for Christmas.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Because
1: Disney, I talked about that on the first episode, Disney fought John Favreau. They're like, no, like, you're gonna, like, kill us. And John was like, trust me, like... We need this for the story. Um, you know, now that we're talking about it, maybe I should have switched my five and my six because I'm starting to think I kinda like this episode better than my number five.
0: <laughs> well, we just do it well, yeah, we still gotta go to number five anyway. So we'll just we'll just, we'll just switch tied. it. We'll just switch it. We'll just switch it in your mind. Well, well it doesn't
1: they're they're tied. Five and six are tied okay. for me. Okay. Like um so my number five is the sin. Um and I started thinking about like why these bottom four, which are usually considered the best of the series, why these are my bottom four? And I think it's because the top four have things that I personally like in Star Wars. And they're all personal preference episodes. And, because the Sin is great. You know, it's it's the Act 1 finale. Um, it's Din taking uh, Grogu and getting the fuck out of Dodge. And our, our little himbo boy just being a badass. And wrecking shit. It's a, and, yeah.
0: I was just gonna say it's an explosion of violence.
1: <laughs> and there's also some like great little moments the too, of which
0: we've never seen in Star Wars, really.
1: Yeah, live action flying mandos, live action flying mandos, awesome. And the pacing is so good. I think Deborah Chow is really good about like staging these big set action pieces, but also knowing to, like when to take the quiet moments in them.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, I really love Doctor Pershing in this. Now with Bad Batch out, like Pershing is suddenly a very important character in this show, um, when he wasn't at the time. I mean, he was important, but like now with the context of Bad Batch, it like really elevated him so much this season. Um, So yeah, like I, I really enjoy this end. But now I think about it, it is tied below the first episode now that i'm actively talking about it <laughs> this is why i don't do things when i'm having lunch because i was more focused on eating lunch than making podcasts lunch lunch is very important everybody it is don't very skip.
0: it's pretty important it is more important than podcasts i'll tell you that right now i love my lunch i i had this in at number six so it's not i, ha- that I had best.
1: pita like i had pita bread and i put like some roast beef in it, and I like. I have like this like homemade Greek dressing, and it had like feta and olives and tomatoes in it. It was a very good lunch. I
0: had, uh I had, um, um, what, what kind of wraps were were they? I guess they must have been. They weren't jalapeno. They were red, so they must have been roasted red pepper wraps. Ugh. Which goes right along with I had some roasted red pepper hummus.
1: But I it don't was like spicy
0: peppers. roasted red pepper. Oh, it was good.
1: I don't like pepper. The only pepper I like is pepperoncini's because they're basically pickles. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, it's the well, only peppers bro- I
0: eat. Roasted red peppers aren't hot. You don't yep. like red or it's green a flavor.
1: Pepper. I don't like the flavor of hot peppers. Yeah. So, but anyway, yeah. where was the sin for you?
0: The sin was at number six for me. So it was it was it was hovering near the bottom, but it's mostly because it's just sort of it's. It is. Uh, it's a great episode, but it's a little disjointed. It's sort of just sort of like I feel that it's it's set up in story and you know loose ends, and we'll we're we're gonna bring in Boba Fett, you know, cryptically, and, and no way. I'm not. I'm getting this mixed up. I'm getting this mixed up. This is it, it's it's a climactic fight and stuff, but it's sort of the mid midway.
1: It's the Fight. resolution of the first two episodes.
0: Yeah, yeah, and you get to see a lot of neat stuff in it, but it's just sort of like, it, it's just sort of yeah, it's just sort of like, it's a little bit of resolution and setup at the same time. So it's like I t- I'm I'm tending to rank the 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 more quote unquote self-contained episodes a little higher, you know, except for one. <laughs> <laughs>
1: The one that may or may not be my next one. Right. My next two. (laughs) My next two. (laughs) So you will rank one whole self-contained episode higher than the rest. (laughs) Um, Well, my number four. And now we're getting to my top four, which is where I realized that these are all, like, specifically Hope episodes that have things in them that Hope loves. And my number four is The Gunslinger. And I will be the first to say it's probably the weakest written of the epi- of the show. It's it's the weakest written.
0: Yes, this this yeah. is the one that's really disjointed.
1: Um, but the reason I like this is it's pr- it pretty much a live action episode of a Clone Wars episode, it, or a Rebels episode, or a Resistance episode. It is animation comes to life, Pelly and what's that? Uh, Toro, Pelly and Toro. Are straight up animation characters, yeah. And like they they function like animation characters. They're very over the top, and I love Pelimoto. Pelimoto has become like one of my favorite Star Wars characters. I love this woman so much. <laughs> I love her to death. And this is her first episode. I think she's great. Um, and it also gave us Finnick Shan and bless ma Wen for fighting for her role because now we have uh, Finnick in Bad Batch and we have Finnick in Book of Bofa, and she's still here. Um, and I love her and I can't wait to do more with her. I hope we get a book of Finnick exchange soon. That'd be great. Um, but I, I really like the gunslinger because it's exactly everything I love about animation in an episode. And it's the one time I've ever been happy to return to Tatooine. Cause normally I hate going back to yeah. Tatooine but I like how they present it. I like how they show how time has changed and what they did with the Tuscans is groundbreaking and well, it gave us some well, between really...
0: the tuscans and Pelli, this is pushing our resistance buttons where we're we're we're, in, we're hanging out in a garage yeah. and tattooing you know
1: yeah absolutely like and this the, is a the, lot the, of the, the things natives, we loved with about indigenous
0: that show. people there you know we're not we're not in mos isley again you know just hanging out at the same old places you know or or, or when we are we're we're hanging out in a more in, you know in a more intimate setting in a more it's more down to, it's the down to earth aspect of it
1: mm-hmm. absolutely so yeah where was the gun? Sl- I can't believe this actually operated. it was
0: number seven for me it was next to last and that's directly directly due to that liver lip dipshit
1: <laughs> it's chin <laughs> uh- cubes
0: and his doofy doofy fly catcher hanging open
1: the evil Kazuto Ziona?
0: Yes. The bottom... the the like brain damaged Kazuto Leo. <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh we're actually gonna be talking about Kaz later in this episode because he's in my notes. Actually Kaz's father's in my notes, so he'll come back. So put a pin in Kaz for the moment. Ooh. Um Huh? Ow. Yeah. Don't don't hurt him too much though. Um my number three, which was actually interesting because this was my favorite episode coming into the season. Um but it's my feelings on this episode has definitely changed a lot over the time. Um, a lot of that is because a particular actor is a piece of shit, um, and it really has dampened how I feel about this episode in a lot of ways. But number three is Sanctuary, and I still love so much about this episode. Um, I love the, I love how drastically different it is from the rest of the season, and it's a little breather. Um, there's a lot of growth and den in this one. This is where we start getting the den episodes. Um, if Act One is the set, if, and I'll talk about this. Episode One, Two, and Three are the setup. Episode Four, Five, and Six are the Den character growth episodes. And we're seeing like this is a, a change of Den realizing that he can't just run away. He can't just leave Grogu behind. I love Omera. I think they're a really cute ship. I miss Omera all the time. I also want to set before we get into season two, even though we're going to do Bad Batch first, just so you know, I also ship Cobb, Vamp and Den. So, I'm just waiting for a little like polycool of Omera, Den and Cobb just being a happy little polycool together raising the kids. Give it to me now. Um, but I love the setting. We get to see Pillboy. Um there's just so much in this episode I really like. and I actually do really like Car character. I am all for recasting her because i I think she's an interesting character. I think there's a lot of potential to work there. um and I and i I would like to see her recasted because I, I do like the character. So yeah, Sanctuary is my number three, but it's interesting because it dropped from being my favorite episode to
0: two others. I was surprised it wasn't your favorite episode. What's funny? It's my it's my number eight, it's, which so, as as we said in the beginning, I still I really like this episode. I just have quibble. I just have quibbles with the presentation. It's just a little too perfect for me. The the his, it's a little
1: too Star Trek.
0: His, his his relation. It's a little too Star Trek in the set design and the look of it and it doesn't completely sell me on the the village and i think they i think they they blew the big reveal of the atat that being said all the stuff with the atat is amazing and i just i i think i i understand what they're doing here and they had to do it in one episode but their romance is very you know it's i know and i know time passes while they're there but you know in the one episode it just sort of like you know here's this romance and it's like well he could almost leave but no he can't or, or stay but he he can't you know it's just a, a little too perfect on that although that really is what it's supposed to be too just you know st- you know story it's a very wise.
1: It, It's a very tropey episode and yes. And it's specifically playing on a lot of samurai movie tropes, which we know because it is a nod to uh, Kurosawa films. And it's also a trope of Westerns, with Omera being like the widow character. Um, so it, it is a very tropey episode. Well, and it, it, I do it love also, tropes.
0: It, it also might be because there's a split in the episode where all the budget went to the fantastic night battle with the at at. AT-, AT- and the rest of it looks very TV you know it's filmed very TV we have a limited amount of time we have a limited budget get everybody's costumes on you know and we'll, you know we're gonna shoot this village as tight as possible you know very Star Trek and stuff so it it had that like that sort of cross half looking like it looking having the TV look to it and then the very cinematic look to it so Mm -hmm. But still, I like it, even though it's my least favorite. Yeah,
1: um, my number two, and I was actually surprised because the more I thought about it, I was like, yeah, this is my number two for a lot of like tiny reasons, um, and one big reason. My number two is The Prisoner, and actually, there's two big reasons why this is my favorite, like my second favorite. Um, the first one is I like how they handle Den's character in this. By putting him against people that he used to run with. So you can get this, like, insight of how he used to be and to show where he is now. I, I think that was some really good, like, showing, not telling of stories. Because we could have had this long story of, like, yeah, I used to be a killer and I kind of am, blah, blah, blah. But actually, like, putting him against these horrible people who know him. And it, it's just a very good visual way to show his character development. Um, the other big reason is Mayfield he's my favorite character of the show i love mayfield like he is such a good character i love him in season two i want him back um i love this character he's i love shitty imperials if you heard us during rebels you know i love shitty imperials give me lieutenant list give me a rescuing grint give me my critics if, if you know telling my
0: coworker about this today telling you, her to expect this when she listens to the show
1: i love shitty imperials like he is director critic as a sharpshooter like i love like the whole like oh it's my death star tarkin uh like those are my favorite imperials and mayfield is that but there's also so much groundwork for his season two episode like he is such a good character um and i i really love him so much um, yeah, I, so, and then there's just, like, so many little things, like, it's so cool seeing, like, like, Dave, Rick, and, and um, Debra show up as, like, cameos. Matt Lanter's in this! <laughs> I love Matt Lanter! Clancy Brown's in this episode, even though I'm really sad because I'm about to dis-blurg at Berg in a few questions. Um, but, like, Clancy Brown's in this episode, who is, uh, Clone Wars Rebels alum. So, like, there's so many just, like, little things I love in this, and the hallway fight scene is amazing. <laughs>
0: yeah Wait. this one it's funny i think actually number score wise i think i rated this one higher than you but
1: mine's my second oh oh look like when we actually did when that, when
0: so we great. actually had a one to ten score i think i was like a nine or a 9.5 for this and you were like eight i think i was just like 0.5 ahead I you're of you right <laughs> and uh but the, my top three are just so... I, I love them so much. This one is, though, my favorite of... While this this also, like, the top three is sort of... It, it's even more so just self-contained. It also is very... It's also the a big break from the way... The look and feel of all the other shows around it. It's a little more like TV action series feel to it but it works ri- the The music is a little more like you know different different you know guitar sort of thing like sort of like some of the stuff they experimented uh, with i, lo- I still love
1: Shion's theme Shion's theme is still it, so good it,
0: it all works really well and and it, it ends up it and it, en- it ended up the second time around I, I liked it a lot more than the first first time but uh yeah, it's actually one of my favorite episodes. But still, the the my top three like are just re- I really, really, really like they're just sort of like these like these like perfect shining jewels that like came out of Star Wars.
1: So, because you didn't say a uh, prisoner, he has prisoner at number four.
0: At four, yes.
1: Um, and then my final one is the one that we both share, both of our favorite episodes of the season, being Suga, Suga, yeah. Suga. Sing, sing.
0: Perfection, perfection. We have
1: the child, and you're right. Like to me, like this is the most underrated episode of the season. I don't see people talking about this episode enough, and it is to me one of the most important episodes. Um, it's visually amazing. There's no diet. Didn't I clock it like no dialogue for like the first nine minutes?
0: It was like eleven minutes. Something yeah, like, like that. Yeah, it's
1: amazing. Um, Quill is so good. We get like time with the Jawas. Um, like, in the mud horn is so thematic to Din and his journey and what's happening to him. Um, it
0: is well, it well, is like a- the sand people. This is the first time. Like people, we we see people can deal with Jawas. They they are junk dealers, so everybody know like goes in... But everybody hates Jawas. Like yeah, even Din, Din hates Jawas because they were wrecking his ship. But this is the first that that where Kuil comes in and deals with them as people. You know, as on their on their level and you know and you know like gets them to understand their you know the way they do things and then it goes goes a lot smoother after that you know and that and and jawas have just been jawas have just been there to be like little annoying pest pest guys and to yell hudidi every once in a while and uh and even though they're they're comedic in this, they're it's they're a riot in this. They, they you know they they you de- you get your, you get your, Jawa lore gets uh, deepened, by this and, and it's and amazing. It's,
1: what I also like is we're also so it's been a good chunk of the episode in Grogu's point of view. Like there's so many scenes that are filmed from us looking out of his crib with him. So it's building the bond of Grogu and Den. Like, this is the groundwork for not only the rest of this show, but also Buffa Boba Fett Season 2. Like, this is such an important episode to the rest of the show. And thematically, it sets up the rest of the show as well, because Den is the Mudhorn. Like, like, there's a reason that's his signet. And he is also protecting his own young. Um, for the rest of the show, pretty much. Like, this, there's so much in this episode. It's visually beautiful, it's gorgeous. Just the little things, like, at the very, in the opening, where they're down in the canyon, and Den's looking around, and you see the Trandoshan, like, jump up above him, reflected in his helmet. Just the little details like that are so pretty. (laughs) It's such a good night. And, like, my my Suga, I love, I want to eat the egg.
0: And also there there's also this is like really kind of like the first appearance i know there was you know we had ahsoka and maul and stuff in the in the siege of Mandal- mandalor and and uh season seven but for the most part like you know uh resistance and the bad batch isn't gonna have much jedi action in it and the Mandalorian set in a very prosaic, you know, bounty hunter world, and it was it was good to see the Force, you know, all of mm-hmm. a sudden the Force there, and it was it was really fun because here's the Force, you know, this would have been like in Resistance where nobody was using the Force and all of a sudden there would be a Force user there and everybody's like, whoa, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> you you muthor, you know, so it, it's yeah, it, it, and it's just beautiful storytelling. <laughs> It came right out of episode one, which made me like I was on the Internet going like it's going to be Lone Wolf and Cub. And then the next episode was Lone Wolf and Cub. And I was just like,
1: oh,
0: Oh, God, this is everything I've ever wanted. Everything. Yeah, uh, it was it was amazing. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Number one. I, I I I. constantly think that this is probably the most underrated episode of any of the live action shows by me yeah like it really is
0: um i hope and chris
1: to go on to our next question um i want you to start because i kind of actually built mine off of you um Normally, we ask the question, who's the most well-developed question uh, character of the season? Well, we know it's Den. He's arguably the most developed character of the season. Yeah. So, yeah. what are our thoughts on his development as the protagonist over season one? And I want you to start because I actually built my uh, answer off of you.
0: Well, like, his development in, he's he, he, he definitely is the most developed character in, in season one. Almost everybody else is just a plot character or... Like, a, a Grogu's a mystery. And so he's got the... He's obviously got the arc. He's... The show's named after him. Unless it's named after Grogu. Uh, oh!
1: Chris, you just blew my mind!
0: Oh, Thank you. Oh. I just thought of that. Oh my God. <laughs> I was just like, wait a minute. Now Groger's basically I'm, Mandalorian, I'm right? This
1: right now.
0: Grogu's been there since episode one, too. So. Oh my
1: God. Okay. I'm going to mute myself so it doesn't pick up my typing. You I
0: guarantee you somebody else has, somebody else has uh, tripped upon that. It, it's it's the, the internet's out there. Somebody's got to. But anyway, but that being said, Din's the one who gets the 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 character development. But I would argue it's not completely real character development. It's just the seeds of his of his development because he's for he's brought into it kicking and screaming. It's just it's it's you know everything is laid upon him by fate and you know just you know just sort of comes out of left field and, and you know he's just do he's he's just doing his job you know and all of a sudden he's involved in a much larger much la- the world of like <laughs> you know intergalactic politics and fatherhood but he's forced into it you know and he's not coming to terms with anything really at this point you know other than like just reacting to vague, you know, you know, um, rea- you know, reacting to a vague, you know, pokes by his conscience of, and, and he's still fighting it. So I think it's, he's the most developed, but it's, it's more of a setup for, it, it, it lays down the tracks of where you're going to see he, what, you know, okay, he's forced into this stuff now we've got to see him understand it you know and uh what it means and you know to truly be like you know the implications of i have a foundling you know i have a child you know and that is you know i mean he's a himbo it's gonna take a while for that to sink in and to be you know to be it's 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 just starting to show it up a little bit in book of boba fett and stuff but you know um yeah, but the, basically, yeah, I I, I think it, it was he he doesn't follow an arc as much as have his arc laid out, you know, for for where he's where what, what he, where he's got to grow, you know, where he didn't. He probably. I don't know. I don't think he, he didn't think he had to grow, but I don't think he knew, you know, had any direction as to anything but whatever the guild, you know, Finding Beskar for the, you know, you know, getting money to get Beskar for the guild for his, you know, using the guild to get best money to get Beskar for his cult. And now he's got, like, all these other things to think about. That's it.
1: It is now tweeted. (laughs) (laughs) You literally fucking blew blew my mind with that.
0: (laughs) Like, yeah, it could, it's one of those titles, I guess it could work for both of them, right? Yeah,
1: like you, 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 uh, <laughs> like, maybe,
0: maybe Grogu will that. wield the, the Darksaber and lead the Mandalorians.
1: Well, that's, I've seen that theory floating around that if Grogu chooses to be a Mandalorian, but wields the saber, he could actually be the one to finally unite the Jedi and the, the Mandos. I, I have seen that float around, yeah.
0: too. Yeah. Um, well, if they had a Sith lead lead them, you know, it would it would rhyme to have a Jedi lead them.
1: Yeah. So, what did a Sith lead? Oh, yeah, Maul. I was like, what did a Sith lead? Carver's well, wasn't it? Wasn't it a Sith, but no, no, Maul. Um, yes, everything you just said. Um, because when I saw your answer, I was like, yeah, that's pretty much how I feel too. Because I started, you know, like I don't think we over the course of this season. We see, like, little peaks of, like, I think the real Din coming out because he's, like, kind of, like, so stuck in this. But I think there's, like, little peaks of, like, the real Din. Like, at the end of the Prisoner episode, like, he jokes with Grogu, like, I told you that was a bad idea. Like, there's, like, little things that come out. And, like, we see his honor that, like, when he's with Kuiil and stuff. But I don't think we start seeing the real Den until so his worldview starts growing. Like when he meets Bo Katan and Boba Fett and he starts meeting other Mandos and he realized his worldview starts growing. I think that's when we start seeing the real Den. And the moment that I, I finally went, This is Denjarin right here, was actually in the book of Boba Fett when when Grogu came back to him. And, like, Pelly was, like, here's your son. And, like, Dent immediately just, like, hey, buddy. Oh, my God, you're here. Uh, like, I think that was, like, when we really saw the real Dent for the first time. Because up to that point, like, he had fallen back on his ways. Because he went back to, like, working for, the like, his his um, Mando group. And he went back to bounty hunting. He was just going back through the motions. Um, and then when Grogu came back and now he has this new ship, I think we're finally seeing who Din Djarin is. Um, so yeah, like everything you said and I, I think, yeah, we're starting to see it. Uh, my, the next question is, why do you think Grogu is so important to the story?
0: Oh, you want me to go first? I'm good
1: either way. Our answers are different.
0: Um, he g- he gives a story a heart, you know, um, he's a, he's a mystery, you know, he's a complete, like he, he uh, just seeing him puts any Star Wars fans brain to you know to gears to grinding and uh you know there's implications there's Jedi implications and uh you know it, at this point before we even know Luke Skywalker is gonna get involved and there's links to Palpatine and his clone experiments and all that so it's got so he's juicy he's just he's just uh, he's just a B- big juicy baby. That's it. <laughs> it's the juicy baby factor. <laughs> <laughs> See, and, you know, he's a juicy baby.
1: Oh, As someone who has 14 nieces and nephews, when your baby is juicy, that's not a good thing. Wow. Oh,
0: yeah. Because <laughs> usually
1: something's coming out of one end <laughs> when you have a juicy baby. And that's I, not a think good of like,
0: I was going to say, well, he's full of juice, you know. But then it, when I think of, also when I think of <laughs> juice, I always think of like when you pick up a, a, a grasshopper and it spits brown grasshopper juice on you.
1: Or like when you pick up a frog and then like its defense mechanism is peeing on you.
0: Yeah, frog juice.
1: That just reminded, the very first time I I met my nephew, um, Tyshawn, I was holding him, and he was in my arms, and he was all swaddled up, and he immediately spat up in my face. And I was yes. like, oh, oh, I love you so much, but I'm going to give you back to your mother now, because I need to go wash my face. <laughs> That's immediately, like when you said juicy baby, that was the the, the first <laughs> thought of meeting Tyshawn for the first time, and him just juicing right in my face. Like, oh.
0: <laughs> his, ju- his juice was too loose.
1: Yeah, oh, it was, it was. But he's such a cute. I love my nephews and nieces so much. Um, to me, like, there's w- what makes Grogu kind of important to me in my mind was like, yes, everything you said. But for me, like, he's the inciting incident. And I, I had reservations coming to the Mandalorian. Like, I was not excited for the show. I thought it was going to be just like a replacement for the Bubba Fett show that got canceled or like movie or whatever at the time. Of course now that that's out of the way. Um, but at the time, like there was all this hype about like, Oh, the Boba Fett movie got replaced. And like, so I, I was so scared coming into the show that it was going to be this like macho pew pew, badass show. And a lot of the first episode is kind of that, like there's some like cool nuggets with the Mandalorian, but like uh, there's a lot of pew pew, so it's kind of like this, almost macho snow but den's a himbo so it didn't quite cross that line and when groko showed up it made all those fears go away and i went oh this is not what i thought it was going to be and the second episode confirmed that because as i talked about like the second episode's actually like really soft um and
0: well well, like it it, like it could have the implication could have been really like kind of bad to a lot of people because it's like oh jeez I just saw this guy, that, you know, he cut somebody in half in that first yeah, <laughs> episode. Yeah, like door. I... And people go going th- like, oh, God, now it's going to be a Disney thing. But I did not have that reaction because they specifically tied it to Lone Wolf and Cub. And when you, like, think of Lone Wolf and Cub, you don't think of, like, ah, oh, Disney <laughs> at all. So I was just like, ooh... Ooh, I knew it wasn't going to be Baby Grogu turning people inside out and cutting people up with swords on his on his baby cart. But you know, I, you did I
1: force I, choke somebody this season,
0: right? Right. I knew he wasn't going to be just pure. And 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 God knows they they do milk the cute aspect of it. But that's also like I know Dave Filoni, and he's milking that cute aspect of it because someday. So he's going to do something nuclear bomb like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he's going to pull down a Star Destroyer or something or, you know, they're going to be getting chased by somebody and he's just going to like their ship implodes in space and be like their dad fixed it. You know, and he's going to go, oh, shit. <laughs> I, I think
1: that's kind of the importance of his training with Luke, though, is so that doesn't happen.
0: Yeah, but it's still so choose Luke.
1: It choose
0: the Mandalorian and that Can shit
1: I also happened? say how much I'm like when I watched those scenes with like Grogu and Luke, I kept thinking, man, if this was Ezra, Ezra would be like, I'll try I'll train you how to be a Jedi with a dad. <laughs> like Ezra would handle that situation so differently
0: than Ezra Luke would. Ezra would be chucking him up in the air and stuff like that. <laughs>
1: My dad taught me the first time Ezra ever held a lightsaber, Kanan threw him off the ghost. <laughs> By accident. Actually, technically it was Chopper. Chopper threw him off the ghost. But Kanan was there and let it happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, but like, yeah, like I, I, I think. I mean, about Ezra this would soon.
0: be well, how old would Ezra be in this Ezra wouldn't be that old. In Actually, this, but... hold on,
1: let me let Hope do math. Um, he left what, two years before a New Hope. How many years is between a New Hope and Empire? What was that three? It years? depends
0: on how far away the whales took him, according to physics. Well, you're
1: asking his age, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. Or how so, many years have passed since since we last saw him? I'm thinking about like to, five or six, something hold on. like that.
1: No, no, it's a little bit more. Hold on. Um, so, Rebels ends. I I think two years before a New Hope. I think it's three years between a New Hope and Empire. And please, I just if I'm wrong, just know I'm guesstimating. There's one year between Empire. Return of the Jedi, and this is six years later. So that's six, one, so that's seven, nine, so a lot le- roughly ten to t- I would say ten okay. to twelve years.
0: Yeah, like a decade. Yeah.
1: So he'd be like twenty-eight.
0: So he'd be he'd be Kanan's age, probably. Yeah,
1: he'd be right right about thirty, give or take. We'll, we'll just say a good solid 30. Yeah. But uh actually he's whatever he's he's two days older than Luke. Oh, no, that's Luke right. and, sorry, 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 Luke and Leia are two days older than Ezra? No, wait, other way. No, Ezra's two days older. They're than within in two days,
0: life. so they would be the same age as Luke. He would
1: yeah, he's the same age. So, but like, it's just so interesting about how, like, because we talked about that all throughout. He Rebels. would be it's
0: theoretically like... more experienced than Luke. Yeah, actually,
1: yeah, I so badly. Or want training. To I want to see Luke and Ezra together so bad. I, I just—that's a combination I want to see so bad. Cause then, like Luke, would be, like Luke would be like, "You can be, you can be a Jedi with a dad." And it was like, "Yeah, I can. My dad died, but he yeah. taught me how to. My dad taught me how to lift nachos." Well, maybe that—that
0: that might be the—that might be what inspires Luke to hook up with Mara Jade, you know, down the line.
1: I am so. Because there's torn a, about. there's a
0: theme going on with this Felony verse of people people seeing people similar to them existing outside of their dogma so i could have it would would be thematically in tune
1: um so normally right around here is when we have a question about the least developed character but that's really difficult because this season has so many side characters like one-off side characters so instead of talking about the least developed characters, we decided why don't we talk about some of our favorite side characters this season and why? And we we have a few of the same ones here. Um, yeah. let's talk about Herzog.
0: <laughs> so, I have seen it on the set. I've seen it on the set and it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreakingly beautiful and it's uh, and I saw two two technicians operating it remote one was for the eyes and the mouth, and the other one was for other facial expressions. It's a phenomenal technical achievement, and beyond the technological achievement, it's heartbreaking.
1: Werner
0: Herzog, man. <sighs> well, I love Warner Herzog. Both his movies, mo- I mean, mostly as a filmmaker, he's a. I highly recommend almost any Warner Herzog movie. Even his misses just have a lot of energy and imagination in them. And he's uh, just like a person. He's a personality. He's just a personality. And he's old. He's brilliant. And oh, boy, he just like he brought his a plus 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 game to this and like overacted like his. He can make movies that are completely over the top. I, I always recommend uh um oh what is it the Bad Lieutenant 2 Port of New Orleans which has nothing to do with the Bad Lieutenant 1 which is set in New York and with it, it has Nicolas Cage in it and it is bat shit crazy and great but bat shit crazy mm-hmm. and that's and he brings that bat shit he chooses accent he just You know, he's the like everybody else, and that has played a Nazi in Star Wars, as in an Imperial or you know, First Order. But, like, you know, I mean, you have your stormtroopers and stuff, but I'm talking about your Grand Moff Tarkin, you know, the guys that are like cut right out of like a movie, like a you know, World War II movie Nazi. He's the first one who's just this depraved, vile blob of, you know, he is the Palpatine of Imperials. He's the Palpatine of Imperials. He's full in it. He's got a German accent (laughs) and he's not hiding it or changing it or he's leaning into it. He is, for all accounts, he's a Nazi after World War II sitting in Argentina going like, the Fuhrer's brain is still in the jar, you know, and and we must, you know, we must find 15 young boys to for stem cells. And, uh, yeah, it would be better if you did it. But (laughs) anyway, but he... It and just seeing him was just like, oh my God, they got Warner Herzog, and that made me really hopeful. That made me that's that's not just I mean, it's I mean, it's it's a slam dunk, but it's not an obvious slam dunk. It's not like you know what, Star Wars, everybody's been saying Star Wars needs some Warner Herzog. <laughs> As a matter of fact, nobody said that. My brain never even conceived of it. And then when you see it, it's like it was meant if to be so forever well. and ever yeah. and ever. Everything Muck. you just said. I love him. I love him.
1: I'm a ditto everything you just said. You actually just <laughs> said everything. So
0: gross. Mind. He's so gross. Um. Yeah.
1: Ditto. I can't. I can't be better than that. <laughs> um. So let me talk about. I already talked a little bit about Mayfield, but like to actually discuss more about this character like
0: he's on my list too how he, could he not be
1: he is the very definition of a gray character because even in season two he doesn't become a good guy but i love really shaded villains um and very shaded gray characters like you understand how like w- he, he reminds me actually of like and I, and I talked about this in the episode like a lot of my my gray area um, Imperials that I love, like I could see Mayfield become a Callus like eventually kind of fully become good if he wanted to, but I don't even think he would. I think he'd be like perfectly chill to still be an asshole the whole time, and that's fine. Like he is the very definition of a great character, Um, and he's so deep. And we start seeing a lot of that in season one, just from like how quickly and desperate. Like he's a very desperate character, right? and that's the word that was eluding me. Because he immediately, the very first thing he does to Den is whine. You know, I wasn't a stormtrooper, wise ass. And it's that desperation of like trying to clutch onto an identity. Because his identity for so long was Imperial sharpshooter. And we know later in season two, that was his family. And he was betrayed by people, by his higher ups, who ended up murdering these brothers that he considered his family. And that is just such... A good definition of like why the Empire is kind of fucked up. And we saw this in Rebels when Ka- with, with what happened with Callus. Like, that's th- that's the premise of the honorable ones. That episode where Callus is like, here's my imperial propaganda, and Zeb just takes a pin and pokes all the holes in it, leaving Callus with nothing but to face his actions and take accountability and realize he's a baddie and he's in the wrong place. And like And that's why I like characters like Eli Vanto. Eli Vanto is a good boy TM who just needs a job and gets in the Empire and gets tied up with Ron Because he just needed a job and he's trying to help his family. And so, like, these are the stories I love. Um, But, like, the reason why I like Mayfield differently from, say, like, Eli Vanto, who's a good boy TM, Mayfield's a piece of shit. And he is a whiny storm, like a little whiny Imperial. And he's my favorite. I love him. Like he is the very definition of a very well-written gray character. All right. Yeah.
0: He's just, he's just a seething ball of hate. He's a seething ball of anger more, I would say than hate, but he's, he's an insecurities and Bill Burr is just the guy to play that. And, I love the irony that Bill Burr was always a shit talker. He wasn't really a shit talker of Star Wars. He was just like, I don't get it. I don't, you know, I don't. Why would you want to watch a movie about something like that? So now he knows. (laughs) Now he's probably interested. (laughs) And, uh, hey, welcome aboard. He's great. He, He, like, yeah, I, I, I enjoy Bill Burr as a comedian. So like, but, um, He's not a very he's not really a comedic character. He's a he's got little edges of it in his sarcasm, but at the same point he's just basically a prick and it's great.
1: Mm.
0: Need don't, need some Oscar the Grouches here and there.
1: Don't take this out of context, or you can I guess, but I love a good asshole.
0: <laughs> I already did. It's on the end of the episode that's going up tonight. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah, Yep, um, they've, they've already heard you say that out of context Hope so
1: <laughs> <laughs> Nice um,
0: I knew exactly what you were going to say when you were, I was like yep too late Too
1: late <laughs> I don't remember these things that was like a whole two weeks ago um, Just to quickly touch on my other Like three favorites um, I love Omera. I think she's really sweet I like um, the tropiness of her be, Like representing the widow I love her being like This romantic love interest for Den um, I really like her character um, Khalil is great. I miss Kwei. Yeah, like, is a character that I I understand why he died and the story. Obi
0: Wan Kenobi in yeah. the story
1: trope of why he died? But I hate that he died because he was just this like very solid character that I could see them returning to like once a season, being like a home base kind of character.
0: He died so the Mandalorian can live. Oh. Yeah,
1: I know. I understand. So he doesn't always have something so to go back live. to. Yeah, but um, and then my queen, Pelimoto. I fucking love Pelimoto. She every time I see her, she gets better. Um, like she started off as this like funny kind of animation character, and every time I see her, she gets better. Like when we go back to her in season two, she's fantastic. I love her. Most recently in Boba Fett. Holy shit! Like the building of the ship is my favorite. I love. She's absolutely banging that twilight now. <laughs> she absolutely is. She's my pansexual queen. She she's my mon- She said monster fucker rights. Like and like as a mon- as a monster fucker myself. Like in that sub fandom. Like go girl. I love Pelimoto. I love who she is. I love how unapologetically brash. Like I just I love everything about Pelly. And she. She, probably with Mayfield, is like my other favorite character of the show i every time Pelly just comes on the screen, like I just get the biggest smile on my face, and I'm just like, "It's Pelly! I love her. Amy Sedaris is amazing. Um, what are your other two
0: um the well the only i I think the only one that I had that um
1: you have i g and grief
0: Oh, yeah, I love the i g robot every every second. That he's, that he's on screen is great, especially since he's plays two characters, basically. <laughs> and they're both great, you know. And, and grief, I mean, Carl Weathers is a great character actor, and I've always thought he got sort of screwed by being in the Rocky movies, and everybody just thought of him as Apollo Creed from that point on. And it's good. It's a very Quentin Tarantino-like job of casting to pull him out of out of you know um character actor because he's like one of those character actors who's like robert forrester who's actually a really good actor but just never really got utilized like he he could and uh he's getting perfectly used in in this perfectly cast and like it's it's great it's great to see him great to see him getting work
1: um what's a side character you could have done without and you need to remind me of who this is i don't know who this character like r5
0: d4 is he was hanging out in pelimoto's shop
1: oh yeah And
0: and it's that shit that i hate and and uh we were griping about this a, a few episodes ago, of the like, oh, you saw this in Star Wars. You like this? This this, uh, you know. It's like it's like being like, hey, that's the same vacuum cleaner from the first movie. You know, it's it's just it's just there for people to like put in Easter egg videos and to be like, it's R five D four. It's just like no, there should be a th- thousands of that type of of astromech droid bumping around. That area, you know, it's like, just, you know, and everybody's like, oh yeah, we could see where it had its bad motivator from Star Wars. It's just like, come on, guys, you know, it, it, that sort of stuff makes the galaxy sm- makes the world smaller instead of bigger, and mm-hmm. I, I just that's I, why I like BB like
1: One works in Book, Book of that because they were very like they very quickly came out. It is not the same beauty one that Cal Kestis has because a lot of people were like, "Oh my God, what happened to Cal Kestis?" And they're like, "It's not the same; it's a it's different
0: choice." Yeah, it's it's just like seeing someone with a Walkman and going, "That's my Walkman that got stolen." And it's like, "No, dude, it's a Walkman," you know? Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, as much as I was praising this a little bit ago. And I do love him because I love Clancy Brown and he is Savage press. He's writer of Zoddy, He's a Star Wars alum. But like in the episode, the prisoner Berg was just there. The, he was just there because Sean and Quinn and Mayfield all, and even the robot all had story or character
0: purpose. He was just, he was just an action figure. He just acted. He was the big guy. And he like, yep. that was all he did was the, he does it great. <laughs> yeah. He's very entertaining to watch as the big guy, but he was just the big mean guy, you know. He was like a a a, a boring version of Zeb, you know. Cuz like basically
1: Zeb had had character and story. A boring
0: evil Zeb is what he was.
1: No, Zeb had character and story. <laughs>
0: That's what I'm saying. He was a boring yeah. evil version of Zeb, yes.
1: Because like Ran, Shion and Quinn were all tied to Mando's past. So we were able to grab, like, character beats about Den. And then Mayfield right. was this new character who knew nothing about Den and was there as a plot device to not only move the plot along, but also kind of set the time period of what's going on, like, with the Empire and stuff, too. And even the robot. I forget his name. Um, He had a plot going on with Baby Yoda. Yep. And he was vital to the thing, but, like, Berg was just there. And I He's was just like... The big guy. Yeah. The muscle. Yeah, but, you know did was the muscle. So he okay. actually did more. Um who or what would you like to have seen more more of?
0: Uh Quill. <laughs>
1: I miss Quill.
0: I would have liked to have seen more of him. He, uh, like and you know getting some PC in there and uh and Hertz of course. I'd like to see a whole show based on Hertzog on his I'd like to see his backstory would be uh, just to see him go, just let him go, just just do it as a just do it as a like mockumentary where they follow him around with a camera, and he's just like, <laughs> so I must find the midichlorians for the palpatine, Palpatine <laughs> likes his midichlorians. I keep them in this box of ice, um, um yeah.
1: Mine is Omera. I hope we just. I I hope that's yeah, how the show finally gonna, ends.
0: That's yeah. probably gonna, that, that that's how it ends. I hope they don't. I hope they don't bring her back to dramatically kill her off. That would be too. That'd
1: be too, too lazy on
0: and I, on the nose.
1: I want it to be like she looks lazy up and,
0: and sp- on the nose.
1: She looks up in the sky and she sees the ship lands and it opens and Den walks out with Grogu and Cobb Vanth. And she walks over with Winta and Den's like, this is our family. And they're like, Yay, Polycule. And that's how the show ends. That's how exactly how I wanted to end. <laughs> um why was your talk what the fuck moment? And I like how we both wrote outside of the Grogu reveal. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean that's just uh, that's just a gimme, you know. You can't you can't say that. Uh, Herzog, like, see, like I literally jumped up on my chair and was like Herzog, and uh, and disintegrations, like yeah. when, when he pulled out his when he pulled out his, you know, Star Wars holiday special gun, and and disintegrated Jawa. I was just like, oh fuck. <laughs> the so, sound yeah, those it are makes. Just,
1: like, it makes that screaming sound, too. Just, like, the...
0: <laughs> like. Oh, I mean, that. I guess I should say the Darksaber, too. But, like, by that point, I wasn't that, like, what the fuck? He's got the Darksaber. I was just like, ooh, cool. He's got the dark saber.
1: Um, For me, also, outside the Gregor reveal, was the jaw is in the gross egg. You know, like, didn't go, like, risks his fucking life. To fight this mudhorn, it nearly kills him, and they come back with this egg, and all it is is the Jawas slicing it open and devouring it so grossly, no fucks to give, just like I'm gonna eat this. And I just remember watching this, going, "This is good Star Wars."
0: <laughs> this is it's very zen. It's very zen, just like you know the greatest joys in life. You know, the simple, the simple things in life, which is a good sloppy, sloppy suka.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah, (laughs) That sounds obscene.
0: (laughs) have a little sloppy Suka.
1: Um, What was the best robot droid moment of the season?
0: Easily IG storming the village with Grogu. And uh, almost all of them were, like, stolen by the IG unit for me. He is a very appealing, hilarious character. But when he storms that village it's just kinetically amazing and it's timed perfectly in the story it's just one of those those great things and remember in clone wars i was like you know all we remember was seeing the ig units standing there next to boba fett and empire and stuff and he looks like this clunky goofy robot and he's kind of funny but then we see him in clone wars and they're all sorts of you know they're they have so many different joints on them that they can just, you know, contort themselves and are very quick and 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 uh, mm-hmm. sure-footed. And uh, then to see one live action actually, actually, you know, doing his thing was pretty amazing.
1: Um, I wrote yes to all that, but also when they got on the ferry and that R two unit sprang. Fucking legs and arms.
0: Is that best or worst? (laughs) (laughs) It was creepiest.
1: It was was so surprising, and it like it's very Star
0: Wars too.
1: Yeah, and it was like it's one of those. I it still kind of creeps me out, but like in a an intriguing way where you're just like, oh, I'm like this is really intriguing, even though it's like really creepy. But it's so good because you're right. It is a very Star Wars moment, and it just. It's such a surprise. You don't see it coming. And just R2 just like stands up and sprouts legs and arms.
0: <laughs> I can't so. wait till we get to the Bo- Book of Boba Fett best droid moment. I've already got mine picked out for BD all one. the way. What? BD1. Bb one BD1. One. BD one. Little BD
1: buddy. One. It's
0: BD1.
1: No. Yes.
0: No, that's not my droid moment.
1: That's... I literally, when BD1 showed up on my screen, I literally stood up and walked around my kitchen once,
0: just going, ah! That's what I, I do. Ah, bah, 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 bah. What? 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 Yeah, no, I, like, what? No, I, what?
1: I paused and stood up and walked around my kitchen a couple laps. I was just like, like oh,
0: cool, <gasps> it's from that robot from the video game. It's one of those robots. That was all I
1: thought. Oh, uh, uh. And finally, our last question for us together. Is there a moment whether uh no 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 is there a moment you're still not over this season? Whether it was funny, happy, sad, etc. What moment are you not over yet?
0: Suka.
1: I when I saw that, do you mean like when he's like sitting in the crawler and the, Jawa just looks at him and goes, "Suka."
0: It, it doesn't. He doesn't just say "suka." He reaches in. Pulls it out. It's sliming down out of his hands. He puts his hand up in the air and does this little chef sort of swirl with his hand and goes suka. <laughs> it's it's not only suka. It's 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 good suka. It's it's like in the it, it's like in the crime movie where the drug lord they hand over the bag of drugs and the drug lord takes his knife and slices it open and sticks his face in it and they go is it good and he goes oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's good it's good suka
1: um other oh, yeah. than Khalil's death because i will never be over Khalil's death um the other one was it was just really fun to see dave filoni in live action um i was not expecting it and it's still one of those things that every time i'm just like oh it's dave look at him go look at dave go like it's just i never thought i would see dave floney in live action and he
0: looks like that he looks like somebody they got out of the he looks like one of our fellow podcasters you know what i mean just just he's sitting there like i'm very very glad to be here
1: (laughs) (laughs) he does he does um all right. So now that's all of our questions that we have for you uh, that we're both answering. Now we have our questions for each other. Let me one, two, three, four, five. One, two, that's three, it. four, five. So I should start first. That way we end with my Gregolution. Okay. This is so funny because I was actually ty- like texting um Chris beforehand of like I don't understand this question, <laughs> Chris.
0: It's the same question I've been asked at the end of every season, Hope. What is the most neglected element in season, except it's different seasons, season one of The Mandalorian?
1: So I, this one, I, I, I was telling Chris, like, I struggled with this question until I was just like, I don't get it. And then I immediately, like, realized what he was asking. Um, and I think for me is the vagueness of the time period um it's never outright stated it's six years after return of the jedi and like 25 years before force awakens it's in that time period it's just very vague um and i've seen a lot of casual fans and and and, you know i used to work in a comic book store so i was working in a comic book store when the show was airing and many just casual fans were like is this gang like where's like an like you know original trilogy like they just had no concept of when the show was set
0: that exact same thing happened to me at work. People were like, "When d- you're the Star Wars guy, when is this supposed to be? T- is this with the new movies or what?" Mm-hmm. Like, so yeah, people don't know because they they also think it's with it's by Disney, so it's probably linked in with the new movies and that Which time period. Trying it
1: out wrong, but it also well, it like... is
0: linked into it, but it's still thirty years off from those movies, or you know, twenty years off from those movies, or so.
1: Yeah, so I I would love to like and and i'll get back to this in a minute um when i when i talk about hamato ziono um but i think it, like they really need to start, start kind of like laying more of the groundwork of just like hey and, and i think luke skywalker really helped like seeing luke skywalker um probably helped kind of clarify that a little bit too um yeah because
0: they can, he looks like he did in return of the jedi so they go yeah. oh okay yeah
1: so I, that really did help a lot. But, like, I think, you know, setting kind of, like, some more world building. Like, I'm not expecting whole episodes of, like, Leia and, like, the senator politics and stuff like that. But it might not hurt to have, like, an episode in, like, a core world where you see, like, Senator Organa running for chancellor or whatever. Or, or like, young Holdo, blah, blah, blah. Like, posters or something like that. Um I actually, um, to kind of roughly touch on a question I that's for me later, I could see, like, Dan, like, what if Ding has a bounty on, like, a Leia or a Holdo, you know? And then, like, kidnaps them for, like, an episode or whatnot and, like, releases them into the wild. I, I don't know. Yeah. I think – but the time period, I think, is the most neglected because it's – I understand why it's vague. We're also in the Outer Rim where it is – the wilds of Star Wars and it's completely like not being taken care of. And and that, that is a plot point of the sequel trilogy era is the new Republic is spread so thin. The first order is able to invade in wild space and the outer rim. That's the freaking plot of Star Wars resistance. Um, and that's why they're able to invade, but it's still so vague. Like we just, there's it's everything's so vague right now. Yeah. Um, so I would say the time period. For you, Chris, this is Star Wars' first venture into live-action television. As a lifelong original fan who saw New Hope in the theaters, how do you think this impacts the franchise?
0: Oh, it's the future of the franchise, obviously. Obviously, like we have been saying all along, we haven't been saying live-action TV is the future of the franchise, but we've been saying... TV is probably the future of the franchise and especially more than anything else. Dave Filoni is the future of the franchise. Dave Filoni to me is the functioning George Lucas and Lucasfilm right now. I, uh, he, I will I, say that. He feels that, um... the closest to, he's watched him in action. I, I feel his take on star wars is very close to lucas's but it's also he was
1: trained by george lucas
0: <laughs> yes and yes he's a he's george lucas's padawan um he's he's anakin to obi-wan so he could still go evil but uh um and i i think i don't think his vision is exactly george lucas's but he understands george lucas he's somewhere that midpoint between a sweet spot between George Lucas and the fans and what the fans want. And, uh, and he's sometimes I think he crosses a line a little into pandering, but uh, just a little, but so did George Lucas, to be honest, you know, and the prequels had a lot of like pandery, you know, Easter eggs and stuff. But I just uh, heard
1: Arzu's voice going, it's Dave Floney. Get it. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs>
0: so i think even though like as you and i have been um you know we were talking about dave Filoni and stuff like that the animation has sort of built the foundation of the live action tv show but most people aren't gonna watch the animation you know some people are are really into it like us but like Other people treat it like the comic books, where it's just like a side thing or it's for kids or something, so they don't watch it. And it's just people are people will pay attention to a live action Star Wars show almost as much as they would pay attention to a movie. So, and if I mean, basically, The Mandalorian is sort of the benchmark bar set for Star Wars right now, as far as like the fans at large go so i I think that's where the future of it is is completely going to live, you know. Um I think when we start seeing Star Wars movies in the future, they're going to be playing off they're they're going to be paying attention to what works in the mandalorian and And you know, the next time they do a Star Wars trilogy, they're gonna plan it out. <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> And they're going to reap the benefits of it. And they can see what the benefits of it are from watching this, this show, you know, and, uh, and also like picking the right people to write and, and, and show run. And, uh, you know, basically they're building, they're building a sort of Marvel MCU type of, of, of um, thing for Star Wars, which is, as long as they don't go as formulaic as, as Marvel, but as if they use that structure for the building of characters and mixing everything together, I think that's a wise plan for Star Wars.
1: Yeah. so um, I will I, say I think, I, it's I the think future they need to of the slow franchise. down on because I think that's part of the problem with bubble like all the stuff happening, like especially with bubba Fett. I think they're they moved way too fast on it. I think they need to like just hit the brakes just a little bit.
0: Just just, just just, move at the pace of the story. They can put out enough story to keep it going, but, like, yeah, you know. Yeah. I hope they don't make that same mistake they made when they first had it. They're just like, let's really see how much we can get out of this, you know. Just take the time and, and, and reap the rewards down the road to to doing it right, you know, to setting up and doing it right. And I at least have faith that Dave... Filoni is going to try to do it right you know so yeah I'm I'm very optimistic about the the TV future of Star Wars at this point Mm All All right, right. you ready for your second question
1: yes it's actually a great segue off of that
0: would you rather have had Mando be an animated show why or why not yes
1: (laughs) but (laughs) I will say like I, that, I
0: really I, I, I thought you might just go yes, but then I was like, you know, I don't know. I don't know.
1: Um part of, now, I will say, a lot of that is personal preference. Like I just prefer um animation, just in general. That's just my personal preference. Um that's actually how I open the next episode. Um, but I think just Star Wars in general flourishes better in animation because live action is Limited by makeup and CGI and practical effects, when animation just can build a working world and exist. Like, I, I was looking at some of the backgrounds throughout season one. Like, when you look at the Navarro marketplace, it's so bland compared to something like The Colossus. You know, in one room on The Colossus and Antsys, you could have Antsy. You could have Orkin and Flix, who are a Gazo and a Chandra fan. You could have a Rodian, a Thelan, an Athorian, a Mary Allen, a human. All in the same room. Um, A Nikto, all in the same room. And it works in Star Wars breeds. Even if you go to, like, a planet where a lot of people look the same. Like, there's an episode of Bad Batch where they're on Pantora. You could have an entire city of blue Pantorans and not have to worry about, like, Makeup and CGI and, like, not make yep. it look so empty and bare. You know, like, there's a reason that, like, one of one of the big criticisms that I saw about the Boba Fett finale is it feels like 20 people fighting other 20 people in the same alley. And yeah, it's and not these a...
0: Are it's, expensive to it's hum- not a city.
1: You know, it's it's not a breathing, working, functioning city. So I, I think, anima- like, to me, like, animation allows for variation it allows to like let star wars be star wars um it's in like i i am the first time i saw resistance and we walked into the classes i i i remember saying this is what star wars should look like all the time just this many aliens in the background living their best lives and not held back by makeup cgi and practical effects because i we talked about this like how would flicks Gazo function in a live action show, he would have to be this probably very expensive puppet, with like a capture suit and like a puppeteer and yep. stuff like that. Like yep. it'd be so expensive. You, but when it's just an animation, he can just function and he can just be flicks. Um, so, like, would I rather have Mando be an animation? Yes, but I also prefer Star Wars in animation because I feel like Star Wars can be Star Wars in animation and not be held back by limitations. You can have Lerman running around with like like, a Dathomirian, and it's, like, perfectly fine. <laughs> like, but in this, like, you look at someplace like Navarro, and it's, like, a Twi'lek, some Jawas, and everyone else is human. You know? Like, you go to Moss Eisley, which is supposed to be this, like, scum of villainy, and, like, you know, we walked into the cantina in the first movie, and it's full of, like, Duros and the Wolf Guy and Shadra fans and, like, Rodians and all these people, and you see it on a TV budget, and it's, like, Maybe well, a couple aliens, Den, Toro, and a droid.
0: well, at least as time goes on though and and these shows keep going, they're going to build up a warehouse full of alien of alien makeup so that like as time goes on, they they will have more they they'll be able they'll, they'll be able to pull out more, you know different kinds of aliens just from their you know from their archives you know they'll still have yeah. the costumes and stuff so you know but like, yeah
1: and and like they got Twilux down like shion quinn garcef whip and the two trend uh uh, uh in her bar in boba fett like they Twilux are great in this show like they look fantastic in in these shows but like when you start getting to like other aliens it's like oh i guess we have to use like our 12th jawa in the background because we don't, you know, like everything else is out. Like I would, you know, you're not gonna see like a live action show. They have to hire the
0: five five oh first. So there there you go.
1: (laughs) Yeah, like you're not gonna like I'm like, what if you had like a Chandra fan like walk on, like a a character like that's Orca, Orca from Resistance. Like you can't have Orca from Resistance walk on to a live action show. It'd be very expensive. It'd either be a guy in a suit or a puppeteer. Um, and that, like, that's all so expensive to build. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's just, I personally think Star Wars works better in animation because it can just be, it can just be while live action is limited by budgets and makeup. Like, God, like, people had so much discourse over Ahsoka's um, mantras in season two. And I understand because in Rebels, she has these like long leku and like tall mantras but they, so she looked, she didn't look like how she did in Rebels, because for practical reasons, they had to be smaller. So, like, uh, Rosario could, like, you know, do flips and fight in them and stuff like that, and the makeup would not off. Them.
0: Yeah, but, like, but, that's the thing, is animation can be a little more stylized, too. Yeah, so.
1: yeah, and so, like, just, you know, if, if this was an animated show, that wouldn't even be a problem.
0: Yeah, yeah. So.
1: Yeah, so I, but that's just that's me. I, I always think that Star Wars works better in live act and animation. That's just me. Um, your next question. Um, one of the sh- criticisms I've heard over the years for in this show and also in Boba Fett is it relies too much on movie homages like Lone Wolf and Cub and westerns, for example. Do you think movie homages help or hurt these shows?
0: I I I I love them. The, I mean, Star Wars i mean when it came out it was just like this is an homage to the serials of yesterday that was almost like like a stereotype review of star wars you know this is flash gordon for the 70s you know so uh, this is a cow. you know cowboy space western with space cowboys in it i mean it, it was just you know it was built on homages and references and westerns and genres and uh they're they're kind of the dna of star wars so i say bring it on i love when they you know i loved an episode two and it's like oh my god it's a cop (laughs) it's 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 a cop procedural right now you know oh my god it's a ray Harryhausen monster fight you know it i bring it on you know, it's a kaiju movie. We've had a couple couple three kaiju moments in in various, you know, recently with Book of Boba Fett. Bring it on. Do it. Yeah. That's it's what it's it's what it, it's it's what it's made of. So you might as well have fun. It's it's about having fun too. So have fun with it, you know.
1: Yeah.
0: All right, let's see what's the next for you. Oh, this is kind of, kind of almost the same. How does Mando being live action make it different for you than than if it were then animated the animated shows?
1: That big paragraph that from the previous question got moved up t- because it was originally in this note. Um, but then I actually just kind of thought about it a little bit. Like again, it's a personal preference. Like live action just doesn't grip me the same way as animation does. That's just a that's a hope thing. But the more I thought about it, um, it does make a difference um, outside of me. When I think outside of me, there will always be a stigma about animation. Um, we, you talked a little bit about it, but that actually reared its head about two weeks ago.
0: In America. Damn it. That's yeah. what I hate about it. Like, you get to Europe, you get to Asia... They, they, yeah. they are they don't care their animation is for adults and kids they make animations for adults and kids it's not a kids format that that sometimes gets hijacked for adults it's just a format and i hate that about well, america that's the thing.
1: like anim- and that like people in america treat animation as a genre like that's why it drives me fucking mad when i see the emmy awards because, and that, that's actually why I love the Annie Awards. The Annie Awards are the highest award of animation in America. So right. and what the Annie Awards do is they separate adult animation and kids animation. Because it, when you have the Emmys, you shouldn't have fucking Bob's Burgers in the same category as the Owl House. They function completely differently for two totally different audiences. Yeah.
0: And, but you could you would still like, end um, up with like
1: so that's why yeah. I love the Annie Awards because it separates those. But like that's the thing with America, is that we instead of having animation be a medium in America, it's a genre. Um that's yeah. why I really love shows like The Legend of Vox Machina just ended and I loved the entire run, and it's an adult animated show. That's not well, here's like the, here, that's here's not, the thing uh,
0: not they're shooting movies on phones now, right? Basically on video, Mm -hmm. but they don't have a best shot on video. Category in the Oscars or, you know, best non non film category. I, I never, I mean, I understand why they have animated as its own category. And it also probably gives more play to animated movies by giving it its own category, but it shouldn't be animated movies are movies they're just a movie mm-hmm. they're cast they have actors in them you just deal with the 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 you deal with the presentation of it in a different way mm-hmm. but an animated movie is a movie it's just That's, a more it tightly shouldn't be a controlled big deal for
1: movie. like yeah like it shouldn't be a big deal that lion king and beauty and the beasts were like nominated for best pictures like they should all be considered for best picture right
0: if it's if 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 an animation is is up to snuff of uh i mean uh, animation is just a movie like any other movie and so you can rate like a great animation is a is a great movie like titanic you know and it's or whatever i you know i don't know why i pick titanic as a great movie but just as it like in just general generic oscar terms you know so I just I, I always thought it was just kind of stupid and very Americanized way of looking at it. Well, the Oscars are American, but, you know, mm. so I but mean, like, that's what, any, any movie not made in America is put into its into a separate category in the Oscars. So.
1: So, like, there's there's always going to be this stigma of animation like this actually came up about two weeks ago on Twitter. When somebody asked a question like, "Do you think Darth Maul will be in the Kenobi show?" and people were very quick to say that can't happen because of Rebels, and out of the woodworks crawled like the slimy little assholes who are just like, "Well, Rebels isn't real Star Wars; it doesn't count. It's the kids' show." And a lot of people were like, "I never oh, yeah? watched Rebels," and blah blah blah. And, then so wait, that, and wait and
0: see then, you know. <laughs> and so
1: then a lot of people, were, like some of those like at Dude Bro assholes, were just like. Well then they should bring in Darth Maul and the Kenobi show because, you know, then it could actually like erase rebels and blah blah blah. Right. And like so there's always gonna be a stigma against animation. Like even when Clone Wars was airing, and like Clone Wars is like considered like the top of the list. Um, I don't always agree with that. But um like It's
0: too late. They've already married the live action in the in the in the animated shows. They-
1: yeah. So but I, I think what makes <coughs> Mando being live action outside of me um, is I understand that it presents new Star Wars to the more general audience because the more general audience will always watch live action, as much as I hate to say that. Um, so I do think Mando being live action is very important because it's actually introducing a lot of animated characters for one, like it's brought in Bo Katan, it's brought in Ahsoka. Um, if they want to, like, dive into some video games, I'm sure if someone will see BD1 and be like, where is he from? Um, and then, like, discover Fallen Order. Um, so I do think it's important, because it, with no movies at the moment, it is Star Wars. Live action is considered the Star Wars in the funnel. Like, if Star Wars was a funnel, it, you before, before Mandalorian ever came out, the funnel was movies, animation, and then, like, comics, books, and everything else underneath it. Well, now with Mando and all the show since, it's movies, live action, animation, and then everything else underneath it. Um, and that's just how the funnel is. So if these live action shows, while they're not my personal preference, if it keeps getting us more Star Wars, then yeah, it's it's important. Yeah. It needs to be here.
0: I, I mean, Mandalorian has garnered, you know, I mean like i mean let's face it there's bit it star wars fandom like whether it's it's naturally or artificially split it's been split since the sequels of people like this is crap i like it you know mm-hmm. and or the prequels and the sequels both, both. so for a lot, the over the last 20 years you know this is probably the the most unified piece of star wars that's come out that like everybody's just sort of like shaking hands going like this is awesome you know so that's that's something disney got pulled off that that sort of smoked lucas on um on the the sequels and and you know the the clone wars and stuff like that is that, that that the whole prequel thing was, you know, there's still people who are just like, prequels, whatever, you know, they're garbage. And and pretty much, every, I, I mean, I really haven't, I know there's got to be people who don't like The Mandalorian. I don't hear much about from them. Like, I, I have a feeling that, like, on YouTube, it's it's just not going to get the hits to be contrarian about the, the mandalorian and i think even the most like toxic star wars people and it kind of sucks because like you i would watch a couple and all of a sudden they'd be like i can't find anything to hate about this and i kind of love it you know and they and and yeah that's kind of (laughs) miraculous um yeah yeah
1: all right, so for your next question, I lost my spot. Um, you're the visual guy, Chris. What are some of your standout visual moments of the season?
0: There's a lot of them. Um, uh, all, all of, of <laughs> all of episode two is just <laughs> full of, it's just visually beautiful, and it also has some stuff that are very personally, to me, I love because it it, it echoes back to the old Marvel Star Wars comics and stuff. It's just awesome the uh, ig attack as i've mentioned twice before is is amazing uh the the nighttime battle with the atst is out of a horror movie and uh and the the last episode with din fighting moff gideon's tie fighter is like you know one of the most kinetically feels the most kinetically accurate of Star Wars or anything of someone clinging to the outside of something that's flying and feeling like they're really like just barely holding on you know, that it's not just like a stunt or a CG thing. It, it feel, you feel like the tenuousness of, of gripping onto the, you know, TIE fighter. It's just beautiful, but it's just, I mean, the, the, it's a wealth. It's, it's, it's an embarrassment of, of, Gifts, you know is visually all right but that's it okay i've been waiting for next. this
1: one this one i was like i was like one answer and then i was like seven answers <laughs> uh, what
0: what other canonic characters from the sequel trilogy could have showed up in this show
1: it, after i started writing this i realized you said could have shown up and so I had to add a little asterisk of the show is not over yet. So this is still my wish list.
0: <laughs> and uh, Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But could have showed up in this season, I guess. Yeah.
1: Um, But so just know I'm answering this as the show continues, because these are people I would still love to see show up. Um, well, that's I think what that makes
0: it interesting. Is, we'll see if any of them show up.
1: Yeah. Um, I started kind of thinking about this and I would love, to see um because i was talking about how like the timeline is so vague and like what's going on in the new republic's very vague too i would love to see like an episode like a political episode to kind of like see what's happening in the time period and i just thought Kaz's dad uh, hamato Ziono as a young senator could be really interesting to see um i think that would be a really fun tie-in cuz he could be this young character um, and I, and on that note, I think it'd be so much fun if we got to see maybe Holdo, like, you know, like, kind of age down Laura Dern a little bit. We like get, uh-huh. like, and so have like Holdo show up or maybe even Leia, because now we have Luke. So that opens the door for like Leia and Han and Chewie, like any of those characters, like the door is like wide open now that we have Luke. Um, but I think that would be a really fun way to see the politics, but I, I especially want to see Hamato Ziono because the hard thing about the movie characters is you have to like of course we don't have Carrie now so like they could do what they did with her daughter Billy and have Billy Lord play Leia and just kind of do like the deep fake on her but like i think playing with characters that we still have like Holdo, or even bring in Hamato having Hamato Ziono um to play that role would be good mm-hmm. because he'd be really fresh um even though they're not the same nationality, um, because uh, Hamato's voice actor was from Hong Kong and he is Japanese, like I, I would, I still have this dream of Christopher Sean playing Hamato, um, and he was the voice of Kaz. Um, having him play Hamato would be great. Is my dream, even though that wouldn't quite work. Um, Mas Kanata could show up. I think that'd be fun too. Um in any of the Resistance adult characters from Resistance, I uh, never the- thought
0: about Kanata. She's very uh, she's very, a pirate, uh, and she's also old, like a, a character that can exist like as she is for. Pro- she's like Chewbacca, you know.
1: Yeah. I mean, Maz Kanata's in the High Republic right now, 250 oh. years in the past. Like I Maz mean, you could show see,
0: up. Uh, you could see the Mandalorian showing up somewhere where there's some racing going on, you In know? her
1: pirate palace, like they could show up at Maz's pirate palace.
0: Maybe he'll show up there and get in a race with uh with uh Jaeger and his brother. I with, I would fucking in his, lose in his my new hot, in his new hot rod.
1: Yeah. I, I actually would love to see the uh, the Colossus in live action. The Colossus, as much as I just griped about animation versus live action, well, like I would Colossus, love to see the Colossus.
0: I think I think of the Colossus now is like if they were at the Colossus, it would be before any of those characters were there. But it would it's be not neat the Dozas,
1: because that was Dozer's ship. That was Emmanuel's oh. ship. That was his okay. ship. So um, okay. he was the captain of that. So you could see like any of the adult resistant characters. I would love to see the Doza's. You could see Yeager and his brother. Griff could be there like Griff or Aunt Z. Um, like I think just any of the adult resistance characters because all the kid resistance characters are not born at the moment. Right, so. right. But like any of the adult resistant characters would be great in the show. Um, I'm I'm almost certain we're going to see Sabine and Ezra at some point. That's just a given. They've already yeah, casted yeah, yeah. Sabine. They've already cast Sabine, so like she's going to show up at some point. Yeah. Um um I think it'd be fun if Hera or Zeb popped up too. Zeb would be really difficult in live action though because going back to like the puppetry things, like his feet would not function in live action <laughs> because he has those ankles. Um Yeah,
0: no, they could they could uh they could green screen his from like, the yeah. From the calf down.
1: The callus and Zeb in live action? Ah! <laughs> be boyfriends. Um, and then at, like when I was writing down all the Rebels characters, of like, yes, you could see these characters. Then I thought, a new character that they could really define in this era, who, oh, wait, hold on. How old is he? Hold on. Fuck, he'd be like 10. Never mind. I was about to say Jason Syndulla, being Hera and Kanan's kid. Um, uh, yeah. but I think, I think he's only like 10, but I, I was, if he was an adult, that would have been really interesting, but no, he'd be like 10. So never mind. Um, but the big one, and I have said this before, and I'm going to say this again, I want to see Ray Sloan. I want to see Ray Sloan come into live action. And if they can bring in a book character being Cobb Vanth and having him be this like major breakout character, I want Ray Sloan to be the big bad because we know she's out there in the books. We know she's currently forming the First Order. And I actually love the idea that Thrawn is a red herring. Like, Thrawn is trying to hold um, on to the Empire. Um, while...
0: Thrawn is a blue herring?
1: Oh, yeah. He's a red-blue herring. He's a purple herring. Um, because we know that they're setting up Thrawn. We know that that's all happening. But I love this idea that, like, Thrawn comes back trying to hold on to the Empire but then you have Ray Sloan setting up the First Order and having that clash of the ex-Empire versus the new First Order. And I because I think that would be a really interesting story. And I love the idea of bringing in Ray Sloan, letting her make her Star Wars debut outside the books and having her just be this just dastardly, rich, great villain who started in the Canaan book, the first Canaan book, and has become this Grand Admiral in her own right, setting up the First Order with Baby Hux. She's the one that, like, is in charge of Baby Hux. And, like, there's so much you could do with Ray Sloan. Like, she is the character right? I want to be the big bad of all of this and have Thrawn be a red-blue herring. Still evil, still doing his shit. But I could see Thrawn—I I, I think I said this in, what like, either last week's episode or the week before— I feel like Thrawn would look at the first order and be like, "That's too much for me, bro." <laughs> like I don't think Thrawn would function in the first order at all. And I, I could uh, just, and that would actually really tie him into his book stuff too, where he is just kind of like not evil, but like infiltrating and like seeing him just bounce. Like, and there's, I just, I want to see him.
0: Hanging out with that Ezra might give Thrawn a little more time to start getting obsessed with Jedi history and lore, and then at that point he might get, like, not he might be more interested in that than the yeah. Empire.
1: Yeah, I think so. Um, <laughs> I did see this great TikTok of, like, Thrawn and Ezra, and, like, Thrawn's tied up, and Ezra's just, like, is is leaning on him going, and Twilight Sparkle was the princess of friendship, because she is the one that represents all the friendship in the kingdom, and Thrawn's just like, please, I just want to go home to my family, and Ezra goes, I'm not done! And then Rainbow Dash was the sporty one. <laughs> and I'm like, that's exactly what that would be, is just, like, Ezra holding everyone hostage and they just want to go home. Um <laughs> uh, Here you go. Next one for you. Knowing what happens in Season 2 and the Book of Boba Fett, did your viewing change this time around? My answer is uh, yes.
0: <laughs> a, a little... But mostly, like, what I picked up on this was, like, there was stuff that I'd forgotten or what order it had start- happened in. And, uh you know, you always catch more of Filoni's setups the second the, the second time through. But I feel that, like, a lot of the stuff we saw in Book of Boba Fett wasn't definitely planned out at this point. So it, it, this, this season feels very more self-contained. You know, there's stuff set up but it's almost like its own little self-contained thing for the most part so it didn't change an awful lot on the the second viewing
1: yeah i had the complete opposite i was like everything is different now (laughs) (laughs) um all right my final question (coughs) before my oh my gregelution
0: All right. Is there anyone or anything that you could have... This is another, like, standard evergreen question from our sum up. Is there anything or anybody that you could have done without in this season?
1: The answer is, for season one, is no. Um, I actually really love this season. I think uh-huh. it's a very strong season. I think I, this season's ridiculously strong. And I think it's very well balanced. Because Being episode, short
0: helps with that, I think, with both of those things.
1: Yeah there's no time for filler because if you have something like a 22 episode, like, or 22, you know, yeah. And like a 22, like season episode season of like clone wars, you're going to have like Jar Jar juggling plates with Bill or <laughs>
0: Right. Right. Yes.
1: Uh, or, or like Lerman's, you know, like, but what I think this season does so well, it's actually very well balanced because episode one through three or act one, they set up the story. They introduce Den and Grogu together they and then Den makes his choice at the in episode three to kick off the rest of the show. Like it's that's there. Episode four through six is the dive into Den's character. So like we see him trying to settle down and trying to pick this new way of life and try to move back to his old life. We see who he is compared to other people being like Mayfield and Shion and all of them. And then we also see him stepping up into like a teacher role role with Toro and like and to see that he has this respect for. Um, the Tuscans and everything, like four through six is Den's character development. And then seven and eight are a Banger finale that sets up season two. They're, the season is great. It's perfect, it's well balanced, it has everything. Ask me this question in season two, and the answer is too many cameos. And where's Den? <laughs> because too many care- cameos in season two takes over Den and kicks Den out of his own show. Ask me this in season two. But yeah, season that's 1 okay, is great cuz he
0: gets to kick Boba Fett out of his show next season. <laughs>
1: You're not wrong. Um
0: yeah.
1: No, but yeah, no, I I think the season is solid and very well balanced and everything has its place. Even a, a weak written episode like the Gunslinger. Like there are things in there that's important yeah, to kids. Yeah, it's characters.
0: it's and I would say it's only relatively weak. It's not really a weak episode. It's just weak it's, in relation to the other ones.
1: And it sets up um, yeah, like if you saw that like in a vacuum, knowing nothing else, like you'd be like fucking Star Wars. Um, yeah. But even that episode builds other shows too because it introduces both Finnick and Pelly, who are both major players in the following season, like two seasons of yeah. Book of Boba Fett. So like yeah. it still has its place. Everything is balanced. Everything has its place. If it's not for story or world building for future seasons, it's for Jenna as a character. It's a solid season, and there's nothing I would cut out of it. Season 2 there's too many fucking cameos. All right, your final question. Does Star Wars rely on nostalgia too much? For example, returning to Tatooine or R5D4?
0: Yeah, I'm going to have to the, the, re- I'm reading what I wrote there. I understand what I said, but I got to rephrase it. I don't think really Well, yes, I do think they I rely I don't know if, Relies is is much of is the right word, but I think they go to the nostalgia well too much, and they never will stop because after every episode and every Star Wars movie, there's going to be a million. Videos that everybody watches to spot to see if they can spot spotting the Easter eggs. And like, luckily, Star Wars doesn't do post credit scenes, but that's all become baked into like the and it's not necessarily a bad thing, it's part of the communal enjoyment of stories, you know, or whatever. But I, I, I would, I don't like it, I like it. To some, ex- to some extent, if it doesn't get in the way, or if it's extremely witty, or make, or or just makes sense, or is you know adds well to the story, but for the most part, not into it. But um, for example, returning to tattooing, though, I don't think that they go to tattooing. That's that the the, the creators of Star Wars go to tattooing out of nostalgia or, you know, just out of sheer familiarity. I think right from George Lucas, it's been established that like when you're doing Star Wars stories, tattooing is sort of some sort of hub of it. You know, it's an important hub of Star Wars. So it's always going to be returned to, which I don't agree with, but that's going to happen. That being said, when you're on tattooing, there's ways of being on tattooing and making it, you know, showing up. We've seen both in, in Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett, where you can be on tattooing and see a new aspect of it, see it from a different point of view. See, see, you know, it's a, it's a whole world, you know. It's like, it's like if you were filming, going to Earth, and every, every, it's New York City, you know. And it's like, no, there's, there's a million other places on Earth or whatever. Maybe not on tattooing, there might be, but you know, there's ways of, you know, Pelly in her garage, the Sand People, you know, all, all of the Tuscans are that's what they want to be called right these days and so it's it it, it, but i think when you're on tattooing you have and that's where r5d4 comes in yeah i don't need r5d4 he's one robot on his whole goddamn planet it's bad enough we're just doing two cities but it maybe it makes sense because those are the population centers that's fine but you know (laughs) Like Jabba's no, I, I, Palace I totally was almost w- was combination of that. But we got to see like the layout of it and got a feel for it more with this. So, you know, there's there's ways of doing it, but I wish they would do it less or in a less obtrusive manner. Yes, for sure.
1: I, I totally agree. Like, I don't mind Easter eggs. I, I think Easter eggs are fun as long as they're not in the way of story and plot. Um, I, you know, I don't mind seeing like I'm trying to think of one off the top of my head. Uh, I'll I'll go back to BD1 like I I loved seeing BD1 I just I squealed I loved it but like he didn't do anything to like hinder the plot it was just like oh that's a cool Fallen Order thing. But, like, to use Rogue One, for example, Rogue One's my favorite Star Wars movie, but we talked about this in the Rogue One commentary. The two Cantina guys, that, like, Jen Yeah, and... that's,
0: that's the most... That's, like, maybe the most egregious, and it stands out like a <laughs> sore thumb in that movie, too. It does. Like, it... Jen
1: and Cassian run into the two Cantina guys who have to get off the planet in ten fucking minutes to get to A New Hope. <laughs> like, it just... It it pulls the movie to a complete stop just to be like, look, it's those hey. guys. Like that's the one that like bugs me the most. But like when it actually like gets in the way of just being like, Look, an Easter egg Oh yeah,
0: no, that brought that brought the movie to that 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 was like and it was three quarters of the way through the movie, it brings it to a screeching halt for five seconds and it's just like, Don't do that, you know? You haven't done it yet. Oh, there oh, okay. Well, and then you're back into it, but it was still
1: and egregious. I, I... I almost feel this way with season two Um, when it comes to the cameos like Bo-Katan. I don't mind because she is a functioning part of Mandalorian society. She's an important figure, both in animation and the history of Mandalore and and the Darksaber that works for me. Um, But there's just like so many people and extra people to the point where. Yeah. Like, and yeah, you're right. That's not nostalgia, but like, I feel this way. There's so many cameos in season two where Den does not have a story. He is just, he's a footnote in his own story taking back seat to everybody fucking else.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, but I think that like we were saying at the very beginning, this ties right up with our very beginning of it. It's like, I'm going to just take that as a, That's gonna happen every once in a while. Sometimes, sometimes in your in, so you're not always gonna be the lead in the story in Star Wars. So, and
1: that's where I wish it was even in your own show. That's why I wish it was done like a Game of Thrones format. Just saying, this is all one big show. Star
0: Wars, yeah, Star Wars, and and just don't run any, just don't run any of them. You know, you can do the different shows, but just call it Star Wars.
1: Yeah, you know, or have and, it all and, just it, be the Mandalorian. because, like, you know, it's different when we're gonna get the Andor show or the Kenobi show. Those are s- strictly set away from the Mandalorian show. They have nothing to do with the Mandalorian show. They're completely separate. But like, when you get to something like where Boba Fett is, they, they even promoted Boba Fett as Mandalore, the Mandalorian season two point five. That's how it was promoted. That's how the creators talked about the show. Then so don't mm. make it book Boba Fett. Just make it the make it the Mandalorian season three.
0: Because that's what and it then, was. But the people would be. But then you know you can't win. You can't win because if they did that, people would be like, "Well, oh, this is a Mandalorian season three where it's the Mandalorian? They'd promote it, then promote it.
1: promote it like Game of Thrones, where it's all one show.
0: Promote it. Yeah, that way. yeah, that's what so I'm saying. Just, say, just have it st- Star Wars, Book of Boba Fett, Star Wars, Mandalorian, and like even like you don't know what you're gonna get that weekend. You're gonna get whatever one comes next in the story, but it might be a Mandalorian. You know, I, it might be any number of ones. but It's whatever moves the story forward and is, you know, they'll title it under the most whatever. But yeah, I yeah.
1: actually almost I, I saw somebody mention this on tw- Twitter, and I was like, this would have fixed everything if they called it the Book of Tatooine.
0: Yeah, but I don't. I that's the thing is like each if they picked one of all of those, it limits you. The Book of Tatooine could. The Mandalorian isn't really Tatooine as much, you know. But He's... it
1: still covers, like, Cop Vanth. It covers, like, the mods. It, it, covers... it covers
0: a lot of, it, yeah, it covers a lot of things. But you know what covers it all? Star Wars. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, it's Star Wars, the book of Tatooine. So.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. <sighs>
1: all
0: right, let me get my water. Star Wars, the book of Tatooine, Boba Fett.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Boba Fett, Anthony Chan <laughs> and everybody, and Zinjarn. Dennis yes. Johnson, starring Star, Dennis
0: Johnson. Star Star Wars, uh, G- Guild of Guild of Scoundrels, The Mandalorian, Star yeah, Wars not. Book of Scoundrels, Cad Bane. I wish. All right. Oh. Yes. Now it's time for what everybody waits wait for. Better get some like salty food to counteract mm. the just the sheer amount of gooey. Sugary sweetness and cuteness you're about to get, and I don't even know what I've picked out for the music, but oh boy, it's going to be cute.
1: It's going to be cute. (laughs) So I actually we should, you know, we probably have some new listeners who don't know what this is. So when we
0: were
1: were doing uh Clone Wars, um, at when we were doing our season recaps of Clone Wars, I would recap the entire season from the point of view of Rex, Captain Rex, and we would call it the Rex Revolution. Um, and then we got to Rebels, I was just like, oh, no, like, you know, Rex is only in, like, you know, doesn't even come in until season two. So I did it from the point of view of Callus, because I love Agent Callus, so it was the Callus-volution. And then for Resistance, it was Tales with Aunt Z. So it was Aunt Z recapping the season. So I chose, and I was thinking about this, I'm like, who to do? And I chose to do Grogu, um, the point of view of Grogu. To recap, That's,
0: I like. I at first I was like, "Oh, come on!" And then I'm like, "Oh no!" Now we get to hear the internal mo- monologue of Grogu, so I'm yeah. I'm I'm into it.
1: All right, Um let me take a quick hit on my favorite. <laughs>
0: the only the only other one, although he dies, though would have been the Kuil volution, would have been great. Well, he was only
1: you, like like two, like three episodes. He would miss the whole middle chunk.
0: Yeah, you could have him speaking as a ghost for the last for the last episode. <laughs> Here and lies then, the
1: then ghost. End testament. it with a ghostly
0: I have spoken.
1: <laughs> I have spoken. Put some yeah. like reverb on that. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> the Grogu Hi everyone, I'm Gwoku and I'm here to tell you this big story about my daddy. His name is Din he's the best daddy in the entire world, and he was telling me about how he found me. And so I was—I escaped this very scary place called the Jedi Temple. And then I, you know, I don't remember a lot of the last 50 years, but I just know it was very scary and it was hard. And all these people wanted me, and they would always stick me like with these like really pokey things. And I was very, very scared. But then one day, this guy came in with a big, old, tall, nice robot named IG-11 and he opened my pram, and there was my dad, Din Jarin. and he told me how he found me that he he had this job by this man named Werner Herzog. And Werner Herzog wanted them to find me. And he fought all these big guys with these big guns. And they were all like pew pew pew. And then Mr. IG-11 came and helped them. And that's also how they met Mr. Quill too. Mr. Quill is really nice. He makes he has all these frogs all over his house. And they're so tasty. And I would eat them all the time. But they're definitely not as good as the frogs on Tworkin. Um, But anyway... My dad saw me, and he did something scary at first. At first, he shot Mr. IG-11, but I was told later that it was for the best, because that's when Mr. IG-11 became nice. And my daddy took me, and he saved me from the big pew-pew guys. And then, so, instead, we were walking back home. Home being the Wazer Quest, of course. Um, Wazer Quest, of course. (laughs) That's hard to say. Wazer Quest, of course. Um... And we were walking back home, and then out of nowhere, these mean old big lizard people named Wendoshans came jumping out. And one of them tried to attack me, but my dad was like, No! And he pulled out his gun that he got from like the thing called the holiday special. We don't talk about that, um, even though it has a very, very nice lady named Mawa in it that Chris loves so much. <laughs> Yay, boy! I
0: refuse to discuss Mawa.
1: <laughs> um, and he made the, the the big old wizard man go poof, and it was really cool. And so we were walking along, and when we got back home. There were was everywhere, and they had taken our home apart, and Daddy got mad, so I pulled up his holiday gun and made them all go poof, and they all ran away, and then Dad was just so mad that he tried to climb up their home, and then, you know, I love my Daddy, but he's kind of, like, not the smartest person, but he has, he, he gets the gold star because he tries very, very hard. Um, and he got kicked off and then I watched him sweep for four hours before he finally woke up again. And so we were sitting in the desert and I tried to heal him but he just he didn't understand. It was kind of a weird day because I didn't know how to talk to him and he didn't know how to talk to me. And he finally he put me back in the plan and closed it up. And we got to Mr. Kawil's house, and that's when I found all the frogs. I ate all the frogs. I had like 10 frogs that day, and they were really, really good. So Mr. Kawil then took us to the Jawas, and we talked with them, and they were, like, really nice. They all came over to me and were, like, touching my ears and stuff. They were really nice Jawas, but my dad was like, you stay away from him. He's my kid. And I was like, oh, my daddy loves me. But the way to get all of our home parts back was to go fight the scary Mudhorn though i guess she wasn't that scary we did show up at her house and try to take her egg away from her she was just protecting her baby like my dad was trying to protect me but then it got really scary because the mudhorn got real mad and she was about to hurt my daddy so then i had to tell daddy my secret but i couldn't talk so i just showed him my secret and for the first time in a very very long time because if I used it before people would find me, especially the scary people with their red laser blade swords and I had to hide for so long but I couldn't hide anymore because my daddy was going to come and get hurt so I used the force and I lifted the horn, and I had to protect my daddy but then I slept and I didn't know what happened because I, I slept and when I woke up again I was back with Mr. Kuiil and my daddy, and they were working on building our house, and it was my first time seeing the Waze of Quest, and it was so big, and it was so cool, and I was like, wow, I get to live here? Cool! And so, me and my daddy said goodbye to Mr. Kuiil, and then we flew back to a place called Navarro. Navarro, sorry, I hope it was like, is there a W in Navarro? <laughs> Navarro! <laughs> and we got back there. And I was really confused because we were walking through Navarro, and I was like, "Daddy, I have a, I have a bad feeling about this." And he wouldn't talk to me or look at me. And the door opened, and there were a lot of stormtroopers there. And then there was also Werner Herzog, and he was all shining lights in my face. And this other nice man named Mr. Pershing came up. Mr. Pershing was trying to be nice and protect me from everyone even though he was a bad guy. But he's actually, I think, a really nice guy underneath it who's just trying to do his best because he kept them from killing me. And so then I fell asleep for a while because Mr. Pershing was like, I'm going to take very good care of you. And the next thing I know, when I woke up again, my daddy was there, and he was carrying me in his arms, and it was really cool because then all the plastic, big plastic toys in the white armor, well they just fell over because my daddy plays really hard with his toys. He even set a toy on fire, and it was really big, and that toy was very lifelike because it was all like, and it was really cool. I hope I get toys like that when I live with daddy for so long. And so we ran outside, and my daddy was all like, I will go and protect you. But then we were so wounded because my daddy's friend, Grief, Grief was all like, you can't leave with him, Mandel. And I was like, but I didn't want to be away from my daddy. I didn't know what all the adults were fighting for, but I just know it was really scary. But then my daddy's family showed up, and it was all pew, pew, pew. And there was all these loud noises, so I kind of like hid my face. It was a little, sc- it was a little scary. But then I hid my face and my dad ran to the Wazer Quest and I was officially his because he was my dad and I was his son. So then we had to find this place to hide, right? And so we went to Sworgen and Sworgen is the best. There are so many frogs you guys. So many frogs and they're all but there's also really mean waff cats too. You got to stay away from the waff cats. They will they will meow at you and they will hiss and they're really mean. They might look cute in Star Wars Webbles, but they're really mean here. And so that's when we met a nice lady named Kawadoon, and Kawadoon is like, you know, really cool, even though we don't talk about who plays her anymore because that sucks, but Carwadoon is really nice, and they decided to take a job together to help protect this village. And That's where we met Miss O'Mara and her daughter Winta, and they were, I was like, Dad, Dad, I want this mommy. And, then, and and my daddy was like, I don't know. He's he's really stupid sometimes. He does not understand that that lady really liked her. And I really like Winter. Winter taught me so many games. And I got to play with all the other children. And they were so nice. And except for I was one time eating a frog. And they said it was gross. And it made me feel really bad about myself. And they were kind of mean. So I would only eat frogs in secret. Um, except for Winta would bring me frogs in secret. So the other kids wouldn't make fun of me. And you know I hung out with Winter a lot. And I don't really remember much about this. Because there's one night where we heard a lot of big pew pew's pew. And everyone felt really scared. And all the children and the old people were all in one house and we were all very scared. And I I didn't quite know. But next thing I knew, everything was happy and everyone was great. It was nice. And so we lived there for like three weeks and it was great. But then suddenly one day my dad was like, we have to leave. And I was like, but... Miss is gonna be my mommy, right? And my dad was crying, and I knew it because the tears were coming out from under his helmet, and he was like, we gotta go, son, we gotta go! I can't stay here and fall in It's the protect you son." And I was like, daddy! So I had to say goodbye to Miss O'Mara and Miss Winter. So, but now we were running, which means that we didn't have money. And apparently money is very important. I don't know why, but it is. And so we were running around, people were shooting at us, and finally, the Waze Request needed some repairs. And then we met the best person in the wor- world. We met Aunt Pelly Aunt Pelly is so much fun. She says all these swear words, and she gives me bone broth, and she brings me worms, and her droids are really, really funny. I get to ride around on this one droid named rd 52 What was the name of the droid? <laughs> I don't remember. And I lifted him up and I threw him against the wall and Quist was happy because he died. And so it was so much fun to hang out with Aunt Pally. And one day my daddy was all like, I'm going to go off to this guy named Toril and we're going to find this very nice lady who ended up being Aunt Finnick. Well, apparently, Aunt Finnick didn't used to be nice, but she is now, and she, like, you know, Aunt Finnick brings me cakes, and we hang out together, and she lets me put on her hat, and she lets me shoot her gun at things. Aunt Finnick is the best, and I'm pretty sure she's kissing Uncle Bubba, but we'll get to that in season two. Anyway, so that's how we met Aunt Finnick, because, uh, him and Mr. Toro, who ended up being a really mean, mean man, um, they were looking for her, and Mr. Toro shot Aunt Finnick, but that's okay, because when Toro came back and captured me and Aunt Pelly we were so scared, and Miss Aunt Pelly was like, don't worry, we're gonna sacrifice... Yeah, I will take care of you and then daddy showed up and daddy was not happy. Daddy doesn't like when people play with me and Mr. Toro was a mean mean player person and Aunt, and and daddy blinded him and it was so bright. and the next thing I knew Mr. Toro was sleeping on the g- ground and he just was sleeping so hard on the ground but Aunt Pally picked me up and gave me back to my dad and we said goodbye to Aunt Pally until season 2. So we got on our ship, and left. And I guess Toro just slept there forever. Or maybe they took him to one of those hotels because I never saw him again so but we still needed money so then we hit, went and hung out with some of daddy's old friends and I don't really like them they were mean there was this lady named Shion and she just played with knives a lot and she's like you know tried I, I looked out and one time she was like licking my daddy's helmet it was really weird and there was also this man named Mayfield and he was very very whiny but he's also I think he was actually a very very deep emotionally well written character that really defined how the way characters function in this time period i guess um but you know he was fine and there's other people too so my daddy went off with them and i was really scared because they left me with a robot this is the robot's name here on this list i was up with a robot named K- q90 and q9 was all like oh hi and i was like hello why are you sitting in my daddy's chair and then they. Droid started looking for me and i was like oh we're gonna play a game so i jumped out and i started playing hide and seek with him and the whole time my daddy was away and i just i was like i want to show my daddy i'm the best hide and seek player and so i finally hid in my bedroom and that's when q9 found me when he opened the door and then he fell asleep and when he fell over there was my daddy and i was like hey I want to hide and seek, and he was like, yes, you did, and he also had this new twilight with him named Quinn, and he's like, we're going to go back to the other place now, so we flew back to the other place, and we gave Quinn back to my daddy's old friend, and my daddy was like, all right, buckle up, we are flying out of here as fast as we possibly can, and as we flew away, some X-Wings shot up, and then the place where they just left had fireworks, and it went boom, like fireworks, it was great, so great. So then that was fun. And then I had some more adventures with my daddy. But we were still having to, like, run away from people. And then one day, my daddy's old friend, Grief, called up. And Grief wanted to kind of settle everything and finish everything with the mean, mean Werner Herzog. And I was like, okay. So, but my daddy wanted to get all the friends. And we didn't get, like, you know, the cool friends like Aunt Pelly or Aunt Finnick there for season two. But we went back and we got Ms. Quardune and we got Qu- Qu- Quil, and then we find out that Mr. IG-11 was rebuilt. So apparently my dad didn't shoot him, he was just taking a nap. And so we then... Um, so, uh, Mr. IG was so much fun. He took such good care of me. He would walk me, and we would play hopscotch together, and then we would, like, go ride the borgs, and it was so much fun. He taught me how to pet the borgs and feed the birds. I really liked Mr. IG, and Mr. Quill was so nice. He had this, like, the best, like, milk and tea and broth, and he would feed me, and apparently he saved me a whole box of frogs just for me. I ate so many frogs, and he was like, these are for you, Guogu and I was like, thank you, Mr. Kweeel. So we decided to fly back to Navarro to meet with Mr. Guif. and Mr. Grief had these scary friends with him, and these friends ended up being really mean, because in the middle of the night, these big old birds showed up, and one of them hurt Mr. Guif. and I was like, oh no, and so I was like, I guess I should do this to help him because he's my daddy's friend. And so I walked over to Mr. Grief, and I showed him that I could too also use the force to heal people. But it was really tiring, and I took a nap. And when I woke up the next time, where was Gro- wait, where did Grogu go? In that time period? Oh yeah, I grieved that. Okay, I was like, what is the plot? <laughs> Um, so then I woke up. It was the next morning, and Grief w- was talking with Daddy, and his two friends were napping on the ground too. So I, everyone's just so sleepy today. And so Mr. Grief decided to team up with Miss Kawa and and my Daddy, and I was going to ride back with Kowal. So then I hopped on a blurb with Kowal, and we were riding back to the Waste Quest. And then, and then as we were riding back. These two big toys in white armor sped up and Mr. Quill held me really really tight and he told me not to be scared not to be scared and I he told me to close my eyes and that it was going to be okay and then and then I fell and I looked over and Mr. Quill was looking at me on the ground and I don't think he was napping I don't I don't know because then one of the big big plastic toy men picked me up, and I don't, I never saw Mr. Quill after that, and I really miss him, because he was really nice, and he would always save all the frogs for me, but I was, I was riding away, and I was stuffed inside of a bag, and I got really squared again, because when I got scared, it reminded me when, when the people took me away from my old home, before I met daddy, and then I was, I didn't know where my daddy was at, and I was very scared. And we stopped and one of the, the the toy men hit me and everyone got really mad at him. So mad that he had to go be Ted Lasso in another show to make up for it and win an Emmy. But then Mr. IG showed up and it was so much fun. So much fun. Mr. IG came over and he broke the toys, but that's okay. Because they were mean toys and they would hit me and my head hurt and made my ears hurt. And Mr. Ig picked me up, and we wowed into town. And there were so many fireworks, and all of the toys started like falling over because Mr. Ig was just shooting them left and right with his little fireworks. And he threw the speeder bike at them, and it was so cool. I had so much fun. And then I turned around, and there's my daddy. And I went. Re- we all went inside, and I was like, Daddy. And then when, as soon as I saw him, there was a big explosion. And, and the mean man, I think his name is Gideon. I don't like him. We're going to talk more about Gideon next season. He, me, he put me in these tiny little binders. and We'll talk about Gideon next season. But then he hurt my daddy. So Miss Kara and pulled daddy inside. And I don't think daddy was sleeping. I think he was going to be sleeping like Mr. Kawiel and I got really scared again and then this big toy with a flamethrower walked in and he started using it and I was like no no I already lost Mr. K- Mr. Kawiel you're not taking my daddy from me and I used the force and I melted that toy just how my dad melted the toy in episode three I learned really really good from my daddy so Miss Kara took me with Mr. Guif, and we went down into the, the sewers. It was really smelly, and it was really dark, and I was wondering where my daddy was. I was really scared, because I didn't want to lose my daddy like I lost Mr. Quill. and I turned around, and there was my daddy, and Mr. IG. and my daddy was magically better, and my daddy said it was because of Bacta, because it's magic, and Bacta can fix anything in Star Wars, apparently. <laughs> Star Wars, apparently. Um, and then we went and we met a very nice lady named the Armourer. And the Armourer was like, you are a foundling. And I was like, Daddy, what does that mean? And he's like, it means I'm your daddy, kid, but I also need to return you to your space wizards. And I was like, I don't want to go back to the space wizards, Daddy. I want to stay with you. He's like, that's okay. they will get resolved in the Book of Boba Fett. And I was like, I don't know what any of that means, Daddy. And he's like, it's fine. You're going to meet a nice man named Luke Skywalker. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know what any of this means. See it come back in two seasons. So now I'm officially a clarity to it with my daddy. So we went it was the rest of the day was really weird because Mr. IG decided to go turn himself into a firework himself, and my daddy can fly now? My daddy can fly now. And he went flying after this big old ship with Moth Gideon in it. And he ended up taking down the ship. <coughs> he ended up taking down the ship, and Moth Gideon went quash! And I thought that was the last of him. We'll see him again in season two because he has a big sword, a big white saber named called the Dark Saber, and we'll, we'll get to that. But my daddy came back for me, and we said goodbye to Miss Kawa and Mister Grief, and my daddy picked me up, and we flew back to the Wazer Quest, and there was our home. And it was just me and my daddy, and he even gave me his Mandalorian necklace to make sure that I was a found wing because from now on it's just gonna be me and my daddy and surely nothing horrible will ever happen in season two or in book of Boba Fett but we'll see Grogu is away bye-bye I got really emotional with that quill bit
0: I guess so holy cow
1: (laughs) that just came out Grogu away (laughs) go go, Grogu away
0: it's like super Grover (laughs)
1: <laughs> How was that? It was a horrible.
0: It was really good. And I'm proud to say I found the music.
1: Oh, what's the music?
0: I'm not telling. They already know. <laughs> I'll tell you after the show.
1: Okay, okay, okay. Um, so that's it. Time for the final question. How would you rate the season as a whole, Chris, and why?
0: I'm giving this a 10 out of 10. It's not it's not technically perfect but i think this is going to like even if like after whatever they've made now everything else is turns to crap and nobody likes it this is going to this is this is like going to be this is historic star wars this this season of the mandalorian this will stand on its own as you know the sort of revitalizing Bit of bit of Star Wars and just being really good, you know, a lot of time and care put into it, a lot of money, and it, and it shows. Exactly ten, 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 ten. You couldn't have done any better. You could, they couldn't have pulled it off better than they did.
1: Exactly ten out of ten for me too for everything you just said. Like yeah, as, as, as much as like you know, animation is my preference. I will always love animation more than live action Star Wars. I cannot deny. That this is Star Wars right now. Uh This is the general audience Star Wars. It changed the face of Star Wars. We now have Star Wars on television, which is insane. And it, you're right. Everything will always be compared to the Mandalorian. And it's
0: it's holding hands. It's holding hands with the animation. Yes,
1: absolutely. And it's
0: also sort of. It's also playing footsie with a lot of others, like. The old comics and stuff, and a lot of the stuff that I love yeah. in the in the and, in and the, the books
1: too. Like we have fucking, yeah. fucking Cobb Vamp, who was And I think like what two chapters of aftermath. If that like like two or three chapters, and that's it. Like, you know, like it's it's amazing what this show is doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and this first season is solid. As you're right, it's not perfect, but I would argue it's hands down, possibly one of the strongest if not the strongest first season of a star wars television new, show new, and that's new, saying something
0: new territory and familiar at the same time
1: absolutely um yep. i cannot deny this season now i do feel very different about season 2 and everything that's come after this but i i cannot deny that i i feel like season 1 is so well done it's well balanced it has a great three act structure it's so great and if this was ended up being a standalone and this is where it ended i'd be satisfied i'd be like yes the show was great
0: yep yep
1: but and then it just kept going so oh my goodness i'm tired after the grow grueling and it's been like what like three hours (laughs) this is a three-hour episode um all right chris where can people find you
0: you can find me at com. that's our website and you can find all our podcasts there we are also on facebook the rapidly sinking facebook at the two the the only thing people go to facebook anymore i think are groups which is luckily what i'm going to tell you about the i go to
1: see my pictures of my nieces and my nephew because they live out of town for me
0: yeah and and that too but like uh we've got the two true freaks podcast group and the two true freaks cantina group and one is where we put up all our podcasts and the other one's where we hang out and we are also on twitter and um our Twitter is run by the brand new dog in the family, Gene Hendricks.
1: Bork, bork 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 bork
0: Yes, they've just added another uh, another dog to the family, and I, I hear the, the the two dogs are get the all the dogs are getting along well. No. Which is, it's easier to get, I hope that's to get, the it's, get it's easier card. to have dogs get along well than like adding a cat into the house, but uh, a cat to some more cats. But I can like, I yeah. can the, the, I can
1: concur because it took a like a good tra- time for like Zeb to integrate to the girls, yeah, and Spokes yeah. doesn't even like Spokes will tolerate Zeb. She doesn't like Zeb, but it's, Carmilla would be like, "Yay, play with me!"
0: It's 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 easier to get two dogs to, but but if dogs go bad, it could be a lot worse. Like that, yeah. the, like they'll kill each other and stuff. Sometimes, you know, it's Gene, that's. I hope
1: the, the dogs are both on the Christmas it, next year.
0: Are on the Uh, wall. I'm sure they will be. I'm sure they will be. They're an important part of the Hendrix household.
1: So, speaking of like cuties, can I say my two girls turned 17 last week?
0: Wow. Yeah.
1: They're my girls. They're sweet old ladies.
0: Carmilla doesn't
1: act, uh huh?
0: Yeah, no, she does. She looks like a spring chicken.
1: Yeah, Carmilla does not act old. Spokes is every bit of seventeen years old, and she will tell you all about it. She's like, yep. "I am old. I am not climbing into your lap. You're gonna pick me up, and I will lick your big toe until you pick me up because <laughs> I'm not jumping anymore."
0: <laughs> In the toe licking phase. Well, where can people find oh, you? Hope
1: she's always been like. If if my arm is exposed, she has licked me from the tips of my fingers all the way up to my shoulder. Like she's a we,
0: we had a Siamese cat that was like that.
1: Yeah, like she is, it's not a phase. She has always been this way. Um, you can find me at J Guys and Jedi on Twitter. That is our Twitter account. You can also find me at HopeMonax. I am a writer for the Geeky Waffle, so you can read all my work over there. I am just having the best time and sometimes you can hear me on Space Waffles which is my show that I do with my friend Arzu. I shouldn't say my show. It's not my show. It's my friend Arzu's show. Um, Arzu is the host of that show and uh, I often jump on I actually was most recently it came out today actually was on their epi- was on her episode of Midnight Horizon which is the latest High Republic book um, which is so good it's so gay complete with four sapphics two gay men and a non-binary Jedi in the biggest role a non-binary Jedi has ever been in let me sing and praise the gospel of Cantum Psy I love them they're one of my favorite Jedi of all time I love them so much um so you can hear me on the midnight horizon episode of space waffles go check it out subscribe enjoy i'm i'm constantly on that show um but please go support ours too and please go check out the geeky waffles we are really trying to like work to um monetize this year so the more people check out our work over on the Geeky waffles yeah so if you see me a post something just click on the link just click on it have fun support us as writers so Chris, we start Bad Batch next week.
0: Next week, Bad Batch.
1: I'm I should go ahead and tell you guys the first because the first episode of Bad Batch is a ninety fucking minute episode. <laughs> next week's gonna be a long episode, you guys.
0: Is it We're really two now. episodes?
1: No, it's a ninety minute episode. It's
0: just a ninety minute episode. I don't remember that, but I'll take I, your or word. Or maybe for it.
1: maybe it's forty five minutes. Hold on. Hope is looking it up, right? I don't now. I
0: don't remember there be a ninety minute episode is like a movie. That's it like was. Up- it's like coming out with a movie. It's, okay,
1: I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It's a 75-minute episode.
0: Oh, this, Still, that's pretty long. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So next week's going to be a long episode, you guys, just so you know. But we are starting Bad Batch, and we get to see all... Oh, we get to see Kanan, even though he's white. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> he's a 30-year-old white man. Um. So, yeah. Um, I'm excited to start Bad Batch and to get back into... I will say, I'm so excited to get back into my lovely realm of animation, even though I find Bad Batch horribly boring and safe and not progressive in any way.
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, I might have more positive things to say. We'll see. We'll, we'll see. see. We'll find out.
1: Yes, yes, and this might be really, really interesting because I think Bad Batch is the next show. So in the next, remember 60- the
0: animations always take longer to brew and develop. So I
1: know, and that's where it might be interesting because we've always watched these shows from the point of view of people who've already seen the shows. I'm pretty sure Bad Batch is the next show, so we might still be covering this show as the show is coming out. So it's gonna be it's gonna be wild and quite new for us actually. So it's gonna yeah. be weird. So, yep, Uh, let's do it. Bad Batch next week. Long episode next week, you guys. Buckle in.
0: All right, everybody. See you next week. Bye-bye. Bye.